Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today I am over the moon because one of my favorite people, I mean, barring Melissa, maybe my favorite person to talk about parenthood with oh. is on the podcast today. When I was at NYU, we had a little cabal of people who watched the show as it aired <laughs> and talked about it nonstop. And Stephanie Corvino, who's with us today, was my number one. Oh, oh So welcome, Stephanie. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me. That's so nice, Caleb. I feel the same way about you, I have to say. I think of yeah. Parenthood and I think of you. I swear. I, I do too. <laughs> and honestly, if I hadn't done a podcast for the last almost two years with Melissa, there wouldn't have even been that barring Melissa. <laughs> oh my God. So I am like so close to number one. Look at that. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so sweet. Thank and yeah, you and for I, having And me. I totally associate you with the show and the show with you. Man. Likewise. I'm Inextricably. So, I'm, oh, so happy to be here. That's Yay. so cool. Well, where are you joining us from today? Uh, so I am in Manhattan. I'm on the Upper East Side or just below the Upper East Side, I should say. And I sort of gave this away already, but can you tell us what your history with the show <laughs> Parenthood is? Uh, sure. Well, I could actually tell you the the moment I started watching it. I can be that specific. Oh, yes. I was a sophomore at NYU. Like as Caleb mentioned, I went to NYU and my dad was like, there's this new show coming to NBC. And if you remember, it was like a a mid-season premiere. Yes. Yeah. And um, he, I was, a, I am a huge Gilmore Girls fan. Uh, and he said, Lauren Graham is going to be on this show. And I was like, oh my God, Lauren Graham. So I started watching it. I was in my dorm on 14th street. I watched it on like ABC on demand, like, you know, online, you can go and watch them after the fact. So it wasn't in real time, but I was hooked immediately. I mean, I watched it throughout my time in college. I watched it after college. I recently rewatched the whole thing. Um, so it's been with me for a long time, but yeah, I feel it's just one of my favorite shows ever because it is so real. That is what got my attention right from the beginning. So, yes. Now I'm distracted wanting to know what dorm you were in. Oh, (gasps) U-Haul. That was my dorm my freshman year. U-Haul right on 14th, right across from, I don't even know if it's still there. Is it Food Emporium or? Yeah, there was a Food Emporium. Mm -hmm. Although I I don't know either if it's still there. I think it is though. It might be, but yes, U-Haul. Good old U-Haul. I was in the common room and I I could still see myself watching it. Isn't that Uh, funny how certain certain things stick with you? What room were you in? (laughs) (laughs) What if we were in the same room? Oh my God. I don't even, okay, maybe I was the seventh floor. I can't tell you the room. Maybe I I want to say I was the seventh floor. Yeah. I was in 601B. Wow, okay. look at that. So anyone out there who's in University Hall NYU, <laughs> head on down to the sixth floor, end of the hall. That's where Caleb Hoyer, host of Parenthood Pals, wow. yeah. lived when he was 18 years old. Oh, I mean, amazing. amazing. No. And then go up one floor and somewhere. Somewhere. There I was. Somewhere. Crying from episode one. <laughs> yes. Right there. I got to tell you, two things resonated with me. Number one, that is how I first watched Parenthood as well. It was not in U-Haul. Um, I didn't live there. Uh, that would have been weird if I just traveled every time. Um, but no, it was um, <laughs> on demand. You know, I heard about it and then I caught up on that. And it's just funny how that's not even really, I mean, I guess now we we sort of have that, but it's like, oh, it's just on Hulu the next day. That didn't exist. It's weird. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I have such vivid memories of certain episodes of certain TV shows that if I rewatch those episodes, 
I will get like teary, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I remember this episode of Party of Five <laughs> and I won't go into a huge tangent, but I just remember like feeling very moved by it. I was like a freshman in high school and I was in my parents' basement and I like cried. And then 10 years later, I rewatched the series and I cried not even because of the episode, but because of remembering like where I was in life. Like, oh wow. yeah. Yeah. It's just, I love TV for that very reason. I love that. Oh yeah. That's been happening to me a lot lately. If I rewatch something like years later, which I, like I said, I just did with this show. I just see it through such a different lens and I'm like, Oh my God. I, so funny you say that. Cause I, 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 the same thing happens to me. I'm like, Oh my God, I was a sophomore in college. Like uh, I was a baby. Like, yes. you know, you, you just start getting emotional. So you totally I totally do. understand that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, last question, which is usually our second question, <laughs> but I threw things out of order. What's chaos? Tell us about team Corvino. Oh, team Corvino. So let's see. I have a mom. And a dad, and they still live uh, just outside the city in a suburb of uh, Manhattan, which is where I essentially grew up. And I have a sister who um, I currently live with. She's in the other room, who is also (laughs) a big fan of the show. Um, Yeah, so let's see. I have grandmothers. I had grandfathers who have since passed. But I would say, yeah, I actually got Team Corvino. My dad had heard about the show, but I got Team Corvino on the parenthood bandwagon because he would text me like, oh, my God, did you see that? Oh, my God. (laughs) So, like, I totally got them into the show. Um, but that's my immediate family. And then I have cousins and, and um, you know, a goddaughter who lives in Canada. Aww. That's my immediate family. My mom, dad, me, and my sis. Well, I just can't even express how glad I am that you're here. Aww, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We are discussing Parenthood Season 5, Episode 5, Let's Be Mad Together. It was written by Jessica Goldberg, directed by Dylan K. Masson. It originally aired on October 24th, 2013, And here is the TV Guide synopsis, which I feel like might as well be personally dedicated to Melissa Fight Johnson. Hey, all right. (laughs) The synopsis begins thus. Boundaries are an issue for several members of the family. Yes, they sure are. They sure are. Meanwhile, Julia and Camille discover unpleasant common ground between them, and Sarah deals with Ryan and Amber. So I thought we would start with boundaries yes stephanie this has been a theme of ours particularly (laughs) melissa's just the Bravermans and their lack of boundaries they have none yeah (laughs) they're exactly i agree it reminds me of an old amy schumer joke where she said she took her mom to a soccer game so she could show her what boundaries are (laughs) that's a great joke (laughs) love amy schumer i love Uh, me too oh good job hosting the oscars okay anyway yes (laughs) So here's the first instance, I think, of boundaries in this episode. Pete wants more changes. Yeah, that's part of her creative process. (laughs) That's very nice of you to call it that. I mean, I can do the work, but it's just how many times is she going to change her mind? Well, until you put your foot down, babe. Okay, honey, she's an architect. It's not like I can tell her to stop having ideas. Okay, but you can bill for the extra hours. The bid is the bid. Am I not allowed to talk to you about this? Oh, sorry, I'm just, I'm pissed. Okay, well, I'm not gonna get in the middle of it, but you agreed to a job and that job is changing, so people like her will take advantage of you. I know I've, I've okay, been there. Okay, well, the second I realize she's taking advantage of me, I will tell her. Good. Good. It's really good to have boundaries, you know, from the outset. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't send a fax at the firm without charging. Yeah, this is not the firm. This is a totally different thing. 
All I'm saying is you don't want to end up in a situation where you're completely behind or you've completely eaten into your profits and you have a family to think of. All right, you're right. I'll talk to her. Okay. You can frame it as a conversation about your creative process together and she'll never even know you're talking about boundaries. Uh, are you kidding? Pete? Your again? sister. Hey, Sarah. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, no, you, you can't snake it through the, uh, the toilet bowl. You have to use the outside line. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, I'll take care of it. You got it. How do I set boundaries with your sister? Her, you just help. That feels exactly <laughs> like how the Bravermans would define. <laughs> you oh, need yeah. them with other people, not us. No. Yeah, just brazenly admitting, I don't believe in boundaries with our family. Yeah. Yeah. In, in some way, it's like, I always thought of like, you know, this is like a long time coming for Joel and Julia, right? Like if you really yes. watch and you're like, it is building and it is building and you, I, they're like one of my, not my favorite couple on the show, but they're up there. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I love them together, but it's like, you just, you're waiting for like the explosion. Right. <laughs> and like, it's all about boundaries, you know, and she, She's tough. Like Julia's tough. She doesn't understand boundaries no. <laughs> clearly, right? So I was watching the scene and I was like, this was a long time coming. The whole relationship is based on kind of it's Julia's way or the highway. Do you know what I mean? So yes. I love her in some, like she's so powerful and she's strong and she's confident, but Joel was like squashed for so much of their relationship. And it's like any human being would reach a point of just- yeah. You know, he screams later in the episode, back off, or I forget what he says exactly, but I think, yeah. 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 The first time I watched this, I remember being surprised. I mean, the, the show, like in 2013 or whatever, when it got here, I, I had not realized it was a long time coming. I'm like, what, what's happening? This rewatch, I'm like, oh, red flag, red flag. Like, Same. yeah, it's like yeah. nuts that I didn't see it coming. And it makes me think this is really good writing that they weren't just like, well, we need a conflict. Let's, you know, I wonder if they were planting seeds thinking maybe eventually we can mine this, but you know, and maybe not, maybe it's a happy accident, yeah. but I'm not sure. Joel, he loves Julia. There's no doubt. Like he loves Julia. Right. But he didn't have a voice like in the marriage. He just didn't. So I don't know. I don't blame him. I I, I hated this storyline. I was like, no, don't do this with Julia. <laughs> but um, like, but some of the best acting out of Erica and Sam, right? Yeah. Like, some yeah. of the best acting, I think. But it's tough. It's really tough. I feel like if I were in Joel's position, I would have cracked too. Yeah. And I think the way they set this conflict up in this episode specifically was really artfully done because like that scene I just played. I totally see how Julia thinks she's helping. Yeah. And maybe even how she's like starved for solving these kinds of problems mm -hmm. because she's been at home. Right. And yeah, I totally see how Joel just hears her criticizing and yeah. being condescending. Yeah. And I'm like, neither of them are totally right, but neither of them are crazy. And I was like, this is just simmering yeah. tension. And that is really well done. And the thing I just keep thinking of is I just keep reversing it. I can't stop because I think on its own, it's not so bad what she's doing. But I think when you really think about how I can't even imagine him giving her these kinds of pointers about her job when she was a lawyer. Right. And then it just feels unacceptable <laughs> to me. Oh, yeah. Because then I'm like, he's an expert at this and you're not. And you're treating yeah. him like 
he's a child or something or like like he, she's smarter than him yeah it's so insulting I, I really hate it which it's, maybe she is but not at construction no yeah <laughs> I, yeah a few I, well I forget what season it was but she says something to him she makes a remark saying like well, I'm going, I'm not doing X all day, like whatever he's doing. She's like, I'm at the firm doing like important work. And I forget what season it's in, but it's, I always think of that moment when this scene happens that we're talking about now, because (sighs) you're right. Like if you look at it as an isolated incident, like she's not being malicious. I do think it's coming from a place of like, she's just doing what Julia does best. But if you really analyze it as part of like the bigger relationship landscape, it's really problematic. Yeah. And like, so many people want to be like, well, you know, why did, why did Joel just blow up at her? It's like, you really have to watch and analyze for it to make sense or else he's just like, you know, the bad guy. Well, sometimes we'll have a guest on who um, it's like an isolated thing. Like they're kind of on, not because they watched Parenthood, but because they can relate to a storyline or something. And it's really interesting to ask those people what they think of Joel Julia, because sometimes they think that Joel is being really like controlling or awful which you might think if you watched this episode out of context, you know, exactly. you might really sympathize with Julia when she's like seeing herself in her mom. And I'm like, um, Joel should come over and have this conversation <laughs> with Camille because that's the parallel of a voice getting lost in a marriage. Like it's yeah. laughable that Julia's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Cause I too was thinking, look at these parallel storylines and parenthood does that. Well, I was like, Oh wow, this is a great parallel storyline, but you're right. It's like the wrong parallel almost <laughs> the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Just now when, when you said that Joel lost his voice in the marriage, I immediately thought of this scene with Camille where she says the same thing. What's going on? He's just completely shut me off. Dad has? Yeah, Dad. Well, you can talk to me about it. All I asked him to do was to have a look at a condo with me. Just look. So we could discuss the possibility of what our act three might look like. Mm -hmm. Goes and he buys that piece of junk to shut me up. That's not our act three. It's his act three. So you want to sell the house? No. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe. You know, the Taylors got a lot of money for their house. Yeah. They got over asking price. Mm-hmm. This is a better house. Yeah. It's a bigger house. It's too big a house. You know, it's a lot of upkeep. It's a lot of house for two people. You kids are all grown and gone. We could do a lot of things that that I haven't done. There's lots of things I want to do, and I want to do them while I'm still young enough to enjoy doing them. Do you know I've never been out of the country? Mom, I had no idea you were thinking about all this stuff. (laughs) Why would it even occur to you? Joel, he never shut you up. Listen, um, don't mention this to the others, okay? That everyone is so emotional about this house. No, I won't. I didn't even mean to burden you with it. That's fine. Mom, I'm really glad that you did. I am. It's just a lot of years, Julia. It's a whole lot of years with your dad. Somewhere along the way, I... I lost my voice in the relationship. I don't know how to get it back. Bonnie Bedelia, man. Uh, For the win. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that scene... It's heartbreaking, because... Sometimes Camille, I'm like, I don't know, throughout the course of the show, I don't always agree with her. I don't know. Like I have uh, some episodes I like her and I agree with her, others I don't. But this one, I feel like it's 
she's come to terms with the fact that she kind of let a certain, I guess, pattern form right in her marriage throughout X amount of years. And now it's almost like beyond repair, you know? And I feel like Julia sees that and she's like, oh my God, this could be our future. Right. I always love the Julia and Camille bond. Like, I feel like they have, they always have great scenes together. Like when Julia goes through, you know, the infertility struggle and they always have amazing scenes together. And this one wasn't an exception, but yeah, the the way they did that parallel was great and really powerful. I agree about their bond. I feel like none of Camille's kids really feel like her overtly. Like Christina Mm -hmm. always feels to me actually the closest. Yeah. But the way in which Julia is so different and yet clearly so respectful of who her mother is and what she does, I think is what makes it moving to me. It's like, you guys are not the same. And yet you have this reverence for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even though you chose such a different path in your life. Although now at this particular moment, not all that different. Now, That's true. Right. Julia is at home taking care of the house, taking care of the kids full time. Right. But yeah, I love them together. And also, this was one instance in which the idea of don't tell the other kids really didn't bother me. A lot of times when like like Zeke telling Crosby about his heart issues, heart. Like, don't tell the others. I'm yes. Like, That's what? a huge secret. The... Yeah. yeah. But Camille here, it's like, well, when the very issue that she's dealing with is having to deal with other people's emotional attachment to the very house that she's trying to be rid of. Yeah. Right. I think she's entitled not to want to hear three other loud, forceful opinions. And she will get them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If she were to ask Adam and Crosby and and Sarah. And I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, even in real life, you know, when you know a secret about a family member, it's like, it depends what kind of secret it is because I'm someone that like, I can keep a secret, but I also am someone who tells my sister everything. (laughs) So like, I might struggle with that, you know, like, but Julia, yeah, I I agree with you. Like, I think she, Camille earned that, like she earned the right (laughs) to not have to discuss this with everybody. You know, there are some things that maybe she only really needs Julia's take on or, you know, so I agree with you there. Think back when she just wanted to paint in the freaking attic and everyone lost their minds, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're clearing out the attic. Like, wait, oh, my God. Imagine selling the entire house. Little, oh I'm going to burn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. So oh dramatic. I still love that line. Uh, yeah. so. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, no, I hadn't even really thought about that, Kayla, but I totally agree. I think I think you're right. It is different. Although it is funny that that line happens in an episode where Julia is like talking about boundaries because it's like, oh, there it is again. But no, I agree. Yeah. Not, not so egregious. It doesn't bother Although, me. and Camille did even say right there, like, I didn't even mean to tell you about this. It just... Yeah. Right, because Julia came in and was like, I love that car. Yeah. And like, I, I don't, hate I that hate car. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the car, that whole storyline with Victor uh, learning to re... I mean, yeah. Zeke... One of his finest moments, in my opinion. Yeah. Just yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Ugh. And I love how Julia in this episode is able to hold two conflicting thoughts in her head at one point. Yeah. Like, I love the car. It has been really good for me. Mom doesn't. And that's a problem. Yeah. Right. And she needs she she needs to be heard. She has that. Julia definitely has that like emotional maturity, I think. Like, you know, she has her flaws. They all do. But like, I do think that she's really good when it comes to like, like remember when she helped 
Crosby in the first season when Jabbar first came into the picture, like Crosby called Julia first, right? Or yeah. did he call Adam? Maybe he called Adam, but then he called Julia. Yeah. But you know, like I, I think just, he actually called everyone but her, and she's the only one he. Could oh, you're right. <laughs> and, and he but she did a great job. Wrong. Right, she proved him wrong. Right. Yeah. I think and, he right. let her believe that she was first. <laughs> right. You're right. Okay, that's something. Yeah. Yes, you're right. That was a very mature moment. But then there are moments when I'm like Julia. This is extremely immature of you, like throughout the show. And I think a lot of her least mature moments are with Joel. Yeah, I mean, I would say almost exclusively. Yeah. And it, I think it's what you said about like Camille let a pattern get established. Yeah, which is not to blame the victim, but right. I think that is so real that that happens with people, especially who've been together a long time. You start right. to just take on roles, and yeah, you don't even realize how it happened. And I. I think Julia has taken on a role in her marriage, maybe of like, I'm the boss and you're my underling. Yeah. And if you try and cross me, I'm going to pout and whine and throw a tantrum. Sydney gets that. Sydney got that. Yeah. That whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But then with other people, she's, she can be totally emotionally mature. She doesn't have that pattern. I think she's very good at other people's lives. You know, as a lawyer, you know, and, <laughs> right. and and as a sister, she's she's always got, I think, very good advice. Um, there's only a couple of times that I can think that was weird advice. Like when she said boys are dumb about Gordon when Gordon sexually harassed Sarah, which is how I saw it. Anyway, that's the only <laughs> example coming to my mind where I was like, that was bad advice. But anyway, yeah, she's really good when I think her emotions are all like tied up in it. But when when it's Joel... Yeah, I and I think she, you know, we're kind of just getting to the bottom of something here. I, I think she might have more respect for almost everyone else in her life more than Joel. Is that Oof. is that too hot a take? What do you think? I mean, is that is that am I am I being too hard on her? Or do you think that might be true? Or she just takes him for granted. Like she respects him, but like it's so in the background that she doesn't even notice it or something. I think it's a little bit of that. I think that she has Joel a little bit whipped, like a little bit like, this is how our life has been. I go to the office, you take care of Sydney. Like, you know, they, their lives are so, when we first meet them, like out of all the families that we see, we have like totally chaotic Sarah, right? Yeah. And we have Adam and Christina who are, you know, they have, they're dealing with Max. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And then we have Crosby who lives on a <laughs> boat and he suddenly has a son. So like they literally portray Joel and Julia and Sydney as like the perfect family. They have it all together. And so I think Julia just became, that's her life. And anything that strayed from that was not okay. And that yeah. included Joel. So, you know, like I remember that episode when Sydney's like throwing a tantrum and they like lock her in her room, right. To like prove a point. And like, she's banging on the door and like Julia gets home from work and, and Joel's like your turn. Yeah. Like, and she was like, she kind of looks like, Oh, like a fish out of water. Right. Mm-hmm. And she even says like in the first episode, like I can be Sydney's friend. Like I can deal with that. Like she does. She prefers Joel over me and that's fine. And I'll just be Sydney's friend. Like, I feel like Julia is just like, this is my role and this is Joel's. And if you like veer from it, everything is chaotic. So I do think, yeah, in that way, I think she kind of does take him for granted a little bit. I don't think she, I don't think any of this comes from malice or like, no, just she loves him. But like, I think she has blinders on a little bit. She's just tunnel vision. Yeah. 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 And I think she's so self-reliant in a lot of ways that 
I think she can respect everyone else's opinion because she doesn't have to listen to it. But Joel, she has to listen to it because yeah. he's her husband. Yeah. And I think it's like nine times out of ten, she thinks, well, I have a better way to handle this. Yeah. I think she's just very confident and very dominant. Yeah. So I think she respects him as long as he's not disagreeing with her. As long as he stays in his lane. And I yeah. think. Exactly. And it's like, well, is that really respect is a, a great question. And I don't think he had reason to get out of his lane until their perfect life that you were describing, which I love, you're totally right, got disrupted. And really right. it's Victor, you know, and, and it's not Victor's fault, but Victor did throw a wrench into it. I think it makes perfect sense that this is when things would start to happen. It's when they had yeah. their first really big disagreements where Joel didn't just cave and do whatever Julia wanted to do because he's right. like, um, this is our son. No, I'm not just giving him back because you're having a hard month with him or whatever and now you know he really disagrees with her about what to do with him and so it's like yeah I'm not just gonna do what I've always done Julia and she's like well why not that's what we are and so it's (laughs) fascinating oh yeah she's not great with change if it means that her role is changing or how she perceives something is changing I think it's very like the whole Victor storyline. I think, yeah, that was one of the first times that we really see. I mean, we had seen it before, but it was one of the first times that we really see a disagreement about something I think that big, right? Like they just did not see eye to eye. And I actually was proud of Joel that he voiced his opinion so confidently there because in the first couple of seasons, you see a lot of like, okay, okay, sure. From him, like he tries, but she kind of squashes him again, not maliciously, but like, she just doesn't give him a chance. She's like, sure. I'll listen to you, but we're still going to do it my way. Right. Like, I feel like that's the, (laughs) that's the theme, you know? Totally. So it's tough. Yeah. Well, the dinner that Joel has with Pete, first of all, I think she maybe interpreted boundary, like ironically. I thought the same thing. Can we have a boundary dinner? Great. Let's drink. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Let's go to a one-on-one intimate restaurant and yeah. And then the conversation that they had, uh, I I could not make sense of it. You wanted to talk about boundaries. Yes. Uh, Fire away. Thank you. Um, I just thought it'd be good to get out of the way before we get into a situation where, you know, uh, we're, we're behind or we're eating into the profits of my team. And I've just heard horror stories from my, my wife watched all these young companies. Um, make, so is this but, your wife talking? No. Sorry. No. No filter. No, no that's okay. Uh, no, uh, but we're a team, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. I get it. Well, look, I've never been married, not in any traditional sense, but um, in this marriage, the one that you and I are in, this is about the long haul. This is about, you know, uh, putting the sweat equity in now and never going back to the client and asking for more money and coming in under budget and making beautiful homes. The homes that you wished you grew up in but you didn't. Right. And then doing it again and again and again and making freaking loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sold me. I did, that works. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we talked. Yeah, me too. What? Oh, Pete. <laughs> oh, I uh, I just don't like Pete at all. I hate her. <laughs> like, can we just say I I just I what an annoying homewrecker. No, I just like I, can't, <laughs> I just can't like I can't with her. And that whole thing just gives me like ugh. That's all. I, all I could say is ugh. And I also don't even know what she's saying. Like, 
if it was a business dinner, it didn't go well. <laughs> and if it was meant to be flirtatious, I think it also wasn't very successful. And then like what she was saying, not to bring like politics into it, but to me, it sounded Trumpian what she was saying. I was <laughs> like, we're going to not go over budget and we're not going to ask them for more money either. We're going to build amazing houses and they're going to be so beautiful. I'm like, that's like saying, well, you're going to get better health care and you're going to pay less for it. Well, how? Yeah. You have to say how you achieved. Of course, that's what everyone wants. You can't just say, well, what we're going to do is this thing everyone wants and no one can achieve because it's impossible. It's right. <laughs> like, I, I, and then yeah. he just went with it. And then like bringing up his wife in a context that didn't make any sense at if you ask me, I think she was trying to totally just spin the conversation because, and it's it's kind of nice. I agree with you. It's nonsensical. You're like, what are you even saying? But yeah. she knew that he wanted to talk about boundaries, right? Like he tried to say, like when they were out in the field or whatever, and he was like, can we uh, have dinner to discuss? I forget how he worded it, but she was like, oh, you want to discuss boundaries, right? Yeah. So like, I just feel like she was trying to totally change the conversation and just sort of distract him, which yeah. is so unprofessional. And like, yeah. And then look where it led him. He like- And it worked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> My husband called it a power play. Like when he yeah. was yeah. like, let's talk about boundaries. And she's like, over oh, dinner, martinis? You know, like like that's- Yeah, and I agree. She, she said two things at that dinner that I- really hated. And I tr I try to be very open. You know, I have to admit, especially about women, I think. Like I gave Rachel a real shot, you know? I, I really blamed Adam more than I blamed Rachel a few seasons back. But in this case, I'm like, no, you're the worst, Pete. Um <laughs> and two things that you did. Number one, she did the same thing that Hank did to Sarah about Mark, where it was like, oh, is that your wife's idea? Like making it seem as though Joel is not capable of thinking for himself and he's just like the puppet of his partner. That's exactly what Hank did, you know, like, oh, did you, your, your boyfriend won't let you get out of this, you know? And, and, and so it's like a way of really dismissing the relationship that the person you're talking to is in, which I find mm -hmm. shitty. Yeah. And then oh, the, yeah. the other thing she did I really have a pet peeve about people using, so sorry if either of you do this, but I don't like the phrase like work spouse. Like it's my work husband. It's my work wife. I'm like, that right there is a crossing of boundaries that I find weird. Why not just be like, it's my best friend at work. Like it's, it's my work buddy. It's my, it's my colleague. Like uh, any number of professional terms that don't like mix in marriage, which is a relationship that involves sex. It just is. And I just, <laughs> you know, so I think that's like a really weird thing to say about someone that you have a decidedly professional relationship with. And I think most people use it innocently. I, I do realize that. But I think in her case, she's wanting to be a little confusing with, you know, like I've never yeah. been married in any traditional sense. Well, that means you're not married. What the fuck does that even mean? Like in the traditional sense, what? Well, and now I'm and now I'm thinking. Okay, I definitely think she was trying to like discombobulate him. So the question he wanted answered about: Are we going to be paid for this extra work we're doing that we weren't supposed to be doing? Just goes away. Yeah. Do you think she's also deliberately trying to flirt with him? I mean, mm. do you think she has her sights set on him? 
I don't think that Pete wants to be in a relationship with Joel. I think that she wants to get the job done for the least amount of money and she's taking advantage of him. And she's also taking advantage of the fact that Joel is a good and nice guy. And that is one of my least favorite things just for anyone. When someone takes advantage of someone because they're nice and they're a good person. And I think a lot of people mistake that for weakness. Oh my God. Kindness for weakness. And that is my, people do that to me all the time. I'm like, just because I'm like, you know, nice. And I come off like a certain way. It doesn't mean you can walk all over me. It doesn't mean I'm not, I'm weak. And I think yeah. that, that was a classic example of that. I think that she's totally taking advantage and she sees him. She sees him struggling at that dinner. Like yeah. he's not exactly the most comfortable. He, he knows he has something he's supposed to talk about. Right. She knows he's out of his comfort zone with that. Yeah. And she's totally taking advantage of it. And that's why I don't like her at all. Yeah. I, just- I think you're so right. Because as you're saying that I was thinking about, I almost made a joke. Like, when you said she sees that he's not comfortable, I was going to say, yeah, and we know he has a hard time standing up to strong women. And I was going to say it as a joke, but now I'm thinking- Maybe he does? What if, what if Pete were a man? I actually think Joel would have a much easier time at this dinner. And I think it's exactly what you said. She's taking advantage of a kind of chivalry, I think. I think he would be more comfortable being firmer with a man- He'd be more confident that he wasn't being a jerk. Mm -hmm. But if it's a woman, I think it's his impulse to be like extra respectful because he's a decent person. And I don't know that she knows all that, but she's sensing some weakness. Blood in the water. Exploiting it. Yeah. 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 She's taking advantage of the fact that someone like Joel would never cross a line in terms of like putting his foot down because this is a big deal for Joel. This is his first big job in a really long time. And he does not want to lose it because it's the first time that like he's able to do what Julia did for all those years. And he's able to do something other than just being a stay at home dad, which is so honorable. I don't want to, I don't mean to say just, but it it allows him to do something a little different for a change. Right. He's still a dad. And maybe prove to his wife that he has value outside of that. Outside of that. Right. I think Julia sees it as just, and I think society sees it as just. So I think that's where that just comes from. You know, it's not how he saw it or how we see it, but yeah. But I think it's there for some people. I mean, Pete even uses that word for Julia. Oh, I could tell you were more than just a housewife, you know? So it's interesting. And that's problematic too. You're oh yeah. Like, then of course you add the humor, which I thought, you know, Crosby is so great in those scenes. Oh my God. Act, like at the supermarket where he's like getting the cake because he's, it's just so, when Joel, like when have we ever seen Joel even remotely like that or in any kind of situation yeah. like that? I don't think that's ever. That's how you know he has reached the breaking point, you know? Yeah, but even then, like the next morning, the way she talks to him, I'm like, are you talking, Julia now, are you talking to your husband? Are you talking to your child? I was uh, drunk. Yeah. I was drunk. Yeah. And I'm going to choose to not be upset about the fact that you were out very late, drunk with Pete, and just lied to me about it, unless you tell me that I should be upset about it. You should not be upset. Good. Then I'm not. <laughs> that, that part. Go, good. Okay, good. Well, I'm not. Okay. So how'd it go? Good. Good, actually. You know, I'm really glad you told me to talk to her about it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so important to nip these things in the bud. It is. Yeah. So you're going to be billing for the extra hours? Uh, we agreed to, you know, put the time in now for the long haul. For the long haul? Is that what she's saying to you? That's what 
we agreed to. That's what she said to you. That's what we talked about. But she, she said that I, because she's not the one paying your guys. She's not. She's not the, she's one, the one taking the hit on all this. of us. She is taking advantage of you. She's taking advantage of you. Yes, Do you I realize how big an opportunity this is for me? Do you understand? Yeah, but you're setting a precedent here. And I'm, I'm saying setting a precedent so that I can continue it, working you... with this woman for years and to come. One of the most successful architects. Step off! I know what I'm doing. This is my business. This is not you. This is me. That was the moment I, I was like, okay, I do you blame the guy? I mean, do you blame him for breaking, cracking like that? Like, yeah, but when she says, okay, just that whole, the whole, that whole scene, I was just like, oh, this is why you are where you're, you are, you know? And you're so right about the mother child. I, that hadn't even occurred to me, but it, it sounds, especially the first half of that scene really is like, where were you last night? And did you talk? I'm so glad that you talked to Pete, just like I said. And <laughs> right. And here's the thing. If, oh. if you watch this episode out of context, he comes off terribly. I think like in that scene, you're like, whoa, where did this come from? Why is he yelling at her? And she's right to be mad. He was just out with his beautiful boss and they had martinis. And in context, you're like, but he would never have gone to dinner with her. Like if Julia hadn't said, you need to have a conversation with her about boundaries. And so like, in a sense, he's just being like pushed from one strong woman to another. He just wants to do his work and then come home and not be questioned about it. And I think he's probably a little frustrated at Pete too. And maybe he's frustrated at himself that he didn't exactly bill for those, those hours, but he wants to be allowed the freedom to figure it the hell out for himself and not be questioned at every turn. He's doing the best he can. And sometimes it's not about getting advice, even if it's good advice. I mean, I think on a technicality, Julia's right. I think her advice is good if you look at it in yeah. a certain way but the point isn't really the advice the point is respecting him enough to find his way he let you he didn't tell you what to do how to be a lawyer right yeah. and when she decided to quit the firm he supported her when she decided to do anything that she's we've ever seen her do on this show yeah he supported her i mean they paid when, I mean, this is a totally different thing, but like when Seth needed help financially, they stepped in. Like yeah. he has, you know, like, and not to use that as like, that's a totally different thing, but like he has just always been, I feel like in support of Julia, doing things to support Julia. And yes, you could say that Julia is just trying to help him, but he didn't ask for it. Like he didn't, he doesn't need it. And like, you're totally right that if she didn't insert herself, maybe he wouldn't have gone to dinner and maybe they wouldn't be in this, in this fight, you know? Yeah. So she totally, she needs to treat him as an adult and she just sometimes doesn't. And I think he, uh, if you really look at it from like the, the, like that's one little thing in the whole relationship, it totally makes sense why this guy would be (laughs) on his last, uh, you know, nerve. Yeah. Cause like, imagine if Pete had just said, let's go get martinis, like out of the clear blue sky. I don't see a universe where Joel's like, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. He, he, no way, no way. Yeah, so it he's only doing happens it. because Julia like said, have this conversation. So he's like, uh, okay, you know? So it's like very, yep. and it's why I wasn't mad at him and why I actually found it pretty charming when he's like over in the grocery store waiting out his his drunkenness. I'm like, what's the guy supposed to do? You know, he's just looking at cakes. I'm like- so many people 
that storyline would have gone a different way. He would have like slept with his boss or, you know, like that. That's a great point. That's such a good point. And I don't mean let's applaud the guy for not sleeping with his boss. I mean, you know, but I do mean like what an interesting place for that story to go. He has like a weird dinner with a woman who's like kind of getting him drunk and he walks across the street and is looking at children's cakes, you know, in a supermarket. And you're like, that's a great point. I never thought of that, but you're so right because this is who Joel is. He is a good guy for lack of like more complicated terms. He is just a good guy. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He will always do the right thing. Like you can count on Joel for that. My heart's why my heart breaks for him in that scene. I know it's a funny scene, but I always, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so bad for Joel in this scene when he's like looking at grocery store cakes or right it's a grocery store he's in right and I'm just like oh poor guy but yeah and and have you ever in your life I mean done something that in your gut you were like this is not going to end well but because someone makes you makes you feel like you have to do it you do it yes. just to make them happy yeah. you know it could be something small not this saying- podcast oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man but yeah but that's what that was i think like if joel had followed his gut he wouldn't be at the grocery store but look, drunk looking at birthday cakes you know yeah. yeah and in their fight i think it's sometimes interesting to hear what someone says and think based on what they said what are they actually responding to that sounds vague but here's what i mean after Joel blows up, the first thing he says is, I know what I'm doing. So what is I know what I'm doing a response to? It's a response to you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So that is yeah. the message Subtext. he is hearing mm-hmm. from Julia. You don't know what you're doing. And I right. think that's certainly how it felt all episode and kind of the whole series. Yeah. I mean, it's like- she, she'll defer to him at home. Right, exactly. With, you know, child rearing and managing the, the lesser house. things, in her opinion. Yeah, yeah. But right. no, Joel, you don't know how to negotiate this business deal. You just don't know how. You're doing it all wrong. Right. It's like when he is Joel, father to Sydney, stay-at-home dad. She trusts him. She's not going to insert herself because that's what allowed her to have her career. Yeah. <laughs> she's not great at the like the reciprocating things like that. She's just not. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't reciprocate that that flexibility, that kind of support. So I could go on and on about Joel and Julia because honestly, it's one of my favorite, their whole arc is like one of my favorite things to dissect. But (laughs) And I I agree with you that it's not malicious because I think she thinks in this that she's helping. Like, I'm really good at this. And and like, what's she trying to do? She's trying to get him paid for his work. Yeah. The most. Exactly. That's great. It's coming from a nice place and she is, she's just not seeing. No how it's coming across, that it's coming across that she thinks he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, her goal is not to make Joel feel small. That's not what it is. Not at all. It's just to be like, oh, I can do this. Like something went off in her. And especially when you're doing something different with your life than what you've done for as long as you can remember. It's like, oh, I can exercise that muscle again. But the way she does it, she's not aware. She's not (laughs) self-aware when it comes to that. You know, she's just not. I was just about to say the very fact that she is like identifying with her mom and not her dad is proof that she yep. is not self-aware, yep. that she doesn't get it because she is she railroads her partner the way that Zeke railroads his. She yep. is not, like when her mom's like, yeah, I, I don't know. In my notes, I wrote something along the lines of Julia acts like she knows what her mom is going through because they're having, again, a, a pretty short-lived rough patch, just mm-hmm. like she went to... She went nuclear um, with with Victor when they were having a short-lived rough patch. Julia doesn't actually know what it's like 
to lose your voice for literal decades. You know, right. she's been yeah. nothing but supported by her partner. And Camille yeah. doesn't know what that feels like, you know? So how dare right. she, I feel like, like identify with her mom here. I'm like, no, no, no. That's, right. Uh, anyway. But I think maybe it was to make us go, oh my God, Julia is so not self-aware. I think that was very much on purpose, right? I wonder. Man, I am telling you this, uh, this whole car idea, I mean, it was, I should have five of these. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How does mom like it? Hey, mom, she loves it. Why? Well, she told me about the house and about that condo that she wanted you to see. You wouldn't even talk to her about it, she said. Huh. Well, uh, I got to tell you, that's between your mother and I, and I uh, appreciate your asking, sweetheart, but really, you're kind of intruding. She has a right to talk to you about whatever she wants to talk to you about. She has a voice in this, you know? Look, I am so grateful for this car. This has been so good for Victor, but you have to talk to mom. And you have to listen to her. Because she's your wife, and because she has a right to weigh in on, on decisions that affect both of your lives, you know? Okay, is you okay here? It's fine. Sorry, I just had to say something. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes and it's so funny that we we just said something that I wrote down. Because I, I wrote, at first I thought drawing a parallel between Julia and Joel and Camille and Zeke was a little far-fetched. But then I remembered that Camille said, it's been a lot of years with your father. They're not saying that two couples are in the same place, but that Julia might see herself taking the first few steps down a long path if she feels she can't voice her opinions to her husband. But then I, But then I wrote... What's so complicated about this, though, is that I think there's a case to be made that Julia thinks she's Camille, but she's actually Zeke. Yes! I think Julia has learned that having her opinions heard means Joel doing what she tells him to do. Yeah. So now that he's not doing that, she thinks he's not even listening to her. Right. I'm not sure that's what's actually happening. It's not, right? Because he literally went to Pete and was like, we need to have a talk. Like, which is literally what Julia- Yeah, when she said, is this your wife talking? It was. It was, in fact. Also, that comment was another power play comment because- Totally. I mean, so manipulative. Like, like, come on. Like, in that moment, you just belittled him and took out all of his confidence, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that scene with um, classic Zeke, right? He's always like, oh, that's between uh, your mother and me. Uh, they're intruding. Like, I feel like he says that all the time, yeah. like to his kids about like different things. But another duo I always love on screen. I mean, I think my favorite like character to watch with Zeke is always Sarah. Me too. Because, uh-huh. Like I lo- love them together, but this was like a rare treat because I don't know. We don't get a lot of Julia and Zeke, right? Like just yeah. the two of them, if you really think about it. But I, I don't know. I, I feel for Julia, but then I'm like, I agree with you with what you're saying. I'm like, is Julia really the one we should be feeling for here? Like they really make you kind of question who the victim quote unquote is, right? Yeah. Well, and you raise another point that I wondered about, which is why is it so much easier for Zeke to hear his kids out and respect what they have to say and it's why than it is for him to do the same with Camille? Yeah. yeah. And, and is that common for children Versus parents, because like Julia says what she says, and and I agree, I, they don't have a lot of scenes together. But when they do, I feel like there has been a trend that 
it's very hard for Julia to stand up to her father. Yes. So when she even mildly stands up to him like this, I think it packs a big punch. Yes. And he he crumbles. I mean, he's he's holding her and he's a big teddy bear. Yeah. And then when Camille tries to stand up to him, he turns around and walks away. I mean, I wonder if he's just very confident in his position of authority because he and his kids are not equals. He is the dad. Right. And yeah. he and Camille are supposed to be, but I don't think he really wants to be. I think I think he wants to be kind of like Julia. I mean, I think it's a braver yeah. men trait that they want to be the ones in charge. So I think the idea of a true partnership, like when Joel says to Pete, we're a team, my wife and I, he means that. But I don't know that Julia always acts like that. She acts like boss and underling, as you said, Caleb. Yeah. So that's an interesting <laughs> difference, too. Yeah, it is. And, and maybe it has to do with a generational gap. Maybe it has to do with just being super traditional. Like I am the husband, you are the wife. I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing to analyze because it, it does, it does beg the question. You're listening to Julia, but you won't even give Camille the time of day unless she says what you want to hear. Right. I don't know. That's a good question. I I think maybe a lot of it has to do with, because something I think that like Zeke or I should say Craig T. Nelson does really well. He's a teddy bear in one scene. And in the next scene, you want to be like, oh my God, you're acting like a monster. Like you remember in in the first season when Max gets the bloody nose and he's like telling him he's not strong enough. Oh, he was in my lane. Like, you know, they add like humor to it, but it's like, you're really like competing (laughs) with your grandson. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then he's like a teddy bear in another scene. And I think he does that really well. And maybe that's what this is. Like with Camille, he puts up this front. And then with his with his kids, sometimes you see a softer side. Yeah. You don't really see with Camille. It's really rare you see that with Camille. There are like a few scenes where you see them very like, you know, like. Yeah, where he'll like dote on her. Exactly. Exactly. But again, yeah, only if she's going along with him. It, only, it, it's it very is. Joel, Julia. Very. And yeah, maybe maybe that parallel is spot on. It's just gender switch. It's mm-hmm. flip. Yeah, it's switch which I think is actually smart of the show to do because it's like, it shows you that it could be either side that it's coming from. Yeah. 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 But that scene was a treat too, but you could hear it in Julia's voice. Right. When she's like, she has a right to speak her mind. Like she has a voice. It's almost like she's scared. Right. Because she's not used to that, Yeah, but she's fine doing it with Joel. So, (laughs) you know, it's so, it's so, it's just about, it's all about the relationships. Well, I loved Julia often gets the like, afterthought storyline it was nice that she was kind of in the thick of a lot of things here yeah the storyline that i cared about the least in this episode was all the luncheonette stuff mm. oh, me too. I, I felt guilty i'm like i feel like i should have an opinion about this storyline and i just didn't very much i did note that crosby was right yeah that minor threat was formed in 1980 oh. <laughs> <laughs> but here here was a scene that i I thought I could rustle up an opinion on. Okay. Let's do that one more time. You know what? We got it. With all those takes, we got it. We're done. Solid gold. I mean, boom. Excellent. Boom. We're doing it again. How about that? Let's do it. Let's do it one more time. It's your vision. One more time. Just one more. One more time. Okay. You're so easy to work with. Okay. Okay, just one more. Just, just try to get out of Get, get out of here. when he coming out. Okay, you know what? No, we're not. Hey, guys. I think everyone's pretty exhausted, so let's just go home for the night. Come okay. back rested in the morning, give it another Gotta shot. What do you say, okay? Hey, I'm not gotta going finish home this one song tonight. I gotta like go. That. 
You guys stay. Probably, we, I'm you out. Can't, I'm done. You I'm can't done. leave. I'm done. You, you can't I leave. I am going to get diapers this for my daughter. Okay. Okay. Sit down. You can't leave. No, what are you talking Crosby. about? Crosby. What? Look, we need to finish this. You can't leave until we finish this song. His label dropped him for a reason. He has some crazy pseudo-artistic fantasy of how this album's gonna turn out. It's going to suck. Okay, well, it's we gonna can't be let it crack, suck, okay? okay? We gotta make it good. What do you want me to do? Sprinkle my magic fairy dust on it. I wish make you it. would, okay? I'm not a psychologist. You got a lot riding on this. You wanted this. I would have never tried to take it to the next level with a brand new baby at home. I've got a I'm lot sorry, going on. I can't be here baby. with this idiot for the rest hey, of my life, Take a breath. There's never a right time, okay? You think it was easy for me? You think it was easy for me when you came to me with the idea of the luncheonette and Christina was pregnant? Oh, when I came to you with the great idea for the luncheonette, I'm leaving. Here's the deal. Okay. You I'm can't leave diverse. until we finish this song. I can't leave. No, you can't. You can't leave, Crosby. Well, that opened. What is this? Huh. Crosby. I wonder if... Oh, wow, I can leave. Crosby. Oh, that's right, because I'm not in it all. First of all, boundaries. Crosby is setting a boundary. That's maybe a theme in this episode. And then I also feel like, as an artistic person, or as an artist, which sounds very pretentious, but I work in the arts... You are an artist. Find, you are an artist. Yeah, I, I am. I find there are a lot of people in the artistic industry who don't have the first clue about what it is that artists actually do or how they work. Adam? And that felt like it was at play here. The, yeah, that Adam thought, mm-hmm. well, I'll just I'll just bring them on and that'll be great. And the, because you said they have good songs and boom, and you have to stay and do this. Adam didn't really consult with Crosby about what it would take to produce an album like this with a band like this. And now he's paying the price. And I thought that Adam comparing it to the start of the luncheonette was not exactly the same because Crosby didn't sign Adam up for it. Adam did it willingly. And I felt like Adam kind of forced Crosby's hand into doing this. And maybe Crosby could have been clearer earlier on about, no, I really don't want to work with them. Like, it's not worth. He was pretty clear that he hated Oliver Rome, though. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I think Adam was a little too maybe swept up in the moment after Mr. Ray and everything. Like, we're going to do our own label. And here's a group just ripe for producing. And Adam didn't even know what he was asking of Crosby. Yeah. Let alone listen to him when Crosby said, I'm not willing to give you that. I have other obligations Right. And life is too short. Yeah. You know, Adam has the business mind and then Crosby has the musical mind. And so they had this idea that was like, we're going to blend the two. It's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. But you have to remember, like, this is classic Adam and Crosby, right? We see this all the time, right? (laughs) How many times have we seen this storyline just manifested differently? They love each other to death. They're brothers, they're best pals, but they will come for each other if they need to. At the end of the day, it will end okay because they're brothers and they work it out. But unpopular opinion might be that I just need Crosby to be, like, I totally understand where he's coming from here. But in general, I need Crosby to be like a little more mature (laughs) because the thing is like, he, the way he handles certain things, like, I'm just like, we get your point, but like, you have to remember, are you an adult Crosby? You have two children yeah. now. I'm like, it's a little irritating. And I agree. This storyline for me was a little bit like, all right, how many more conflicts can we come up with for the luncheonette? Like within the context of the luncheonette. Right. Yeah. But I do think that whenever I see Adam and Crosby on screen, they have great brother chemistry. Like oh, they yeah. Just, yeah. It's amazing. Like, I just love the work they do together, but I'm always caught in between like, 
Adam has this like hero syndrome, right? He's always mm-hmm. saving the day. And I love him for that. He always has a solution. He's always trying to, I mean, God, he's been through so much. Like if you look at the, the, the series, you know, as a whole, but sometimes the hero syndrome, it's like, he's not really thinking about the problem he's solving. And when he solves the problem, <laughs> it creates another problem. And he doesn't mean that. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. like this is, yeah. So I don't know, but I wrote down in my notes, I was like, this is classic Adam and Crosby, like this whole thing. Yeah. You know? And I think you're so right about Crosby. I've noticed in this rewatch that I almost always agree with Crosby's point of view. But. But it's in his behavior or how he goes about like executing what he thinks is right. And it's like, here's where you're falling short. And and it's always, yeah, Yeah. immature. I wonder if it's because all of us are aging and Crosby really isn't. (laughs) I mean, because on these rewatches, you know. Yeah, right. It was probably cute when we were in our 20s or whatever watching the show. We're like, he's so funny. And now we're like, that shit is old. Like, grow up. Like, yeah. And so I think that's an interesting thing to think about. But you're totally right. I thought about that in this episode when Crosby and Joel, not to jump back, but when they were in the car outside Julia's house and Joel is saying, how did we get here? Like, running businesses and having kids and making decisions and stuff. And I thought, this is a midlife crisis talk from Joel. Yeah. Yeah. But I then I realized, oh, in this episode, Joel is probably roughly my age. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, if Joel feels as young as I do, mm-hmm. then right. I totally relate to all this because I feel inside like I'm still 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, how am I calling the shots of my own life? And I don't even have a business or kids. And I still feel like I'm just pretending to be a grown up. And as I get older, I realize all the grown-ups feel that way all <laughs> them right no one uh, knows what they're doing right like no yeah. one they, that's the secret <laughs> oh yeah I remember one of my first years of teaching my like financial guy he was my old classmate from high school and I taught in my old high school and I remember he like made an appointment with me to come by my room after school one day so he could talk to me about like my retirement plan And I just had this very strange feeling, him being in my room. I didn't even know him that well. So it's not like we were close friends, but I was just like, we are pretending to be adults. And like, I just, you know, I was like, (laughs) you've got your like files and I've got my classroom behind me. Someone you had gone to that high school. Yeah, we we Uh. had attended this high school together where we were now having this very grown up conversation about, well, should I open a Roth IRA? How much a month should I put in my retirement? (laughs) And I'm like, do I know who this person was? Oh, it was do you know him? I don't know who that is. No, right, you don't know him. I wasn't like close with him. He wasn't even a friend. He was an acquaintance, you know, but I almost think that made it weirder because I'm like, what's happening? Like, who are we? <laughs> like, are we're not really living these lives. We're just, this is like a flash forward on This Is Us and it's just showing us where <laughs> right. we'll be, but actually we're going to head back to high school and live it for real. I don't know. It's very oh, weird. Yeah. I remember when, when like my bank sent me an email, you know how you get those emails, like, are you ready to talk about mortgages? And I'm like, no. no, like, <laughs> I mean, this must have been like maybe five. I was still in my 20s and I'm in my early 30s now. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready to talk about more. Like, it was just so I know those are like automated things. But, you know, when you start to do really adult things, oh, jury duty, oh, paying my own you know, credit cards, like paying for my own cell phone. Because, you know, you're on your taxes, taxes, you know, like all these things. I agree with you. Sometimes it's like life is going faster than my mind can keep up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And sometimes it's good to know that others feel the same way. I'm totally with you. I'm like, I think Crosby, you know, when we meet him, he finds out he has a son who's like 
How old is Jabbar? Five when yeah. they meet Jabbar? Yeah. When they like, meet, yeah. I mean, imagine you live on a boat. You're barely in a dog. <laughs> like, which, I mean, to me, it's like, hey, living on a boat. Okay. I don't know if I could do it with like the. the this- that rocks. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. But it's like you're on a boat. You're living. You're barely an adult. Suddenly you have a five-year-old kid and your life is just not what you thought it was ever going to be. And um I don't know. Crosby stuff. I think Dax Shepard does Crosby so well though. Yeah. But then like, if you listen to Dax, like in interviews, you're like, Oh, is that Crosby? Like, I think he's so just playing so, himself. Yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. funny. But, um, but yeah, this whole ashes of Rome thing, I was like, the luncheonette was so, it was great in theory. That's mm-hmm. how I think about the luncheonette. It was so good in theory and they had some nice moments, but like just was never met. I never saw it as like, this is going to be successful. Huh. You know, you might be right because I, you know, I'm a musician. I should be interested, I feel like, in what's going on there. And I just, I'm not. I'm not. I, well, I mean, neither. I'm just glad and, it's not the shoe place. Honestly, I'm like fine with uh, it. That's, that's true. They're hanging yeah. out with each other. Their yeah. conflicts are with each other instead of like with, you know, Billy Baldwin. I'm like, I'll take it. But I agree. It's not as interesting as maybe I thought it would be. Although I have to say, I really like Oliver Rome. Like, I mean... I love to hate Oliver Rome. Like, I'll be clear. Yeah, I mean, I think he's terrible as well, but I think he's very funny. And I think it's kind of interesting. Like, does does he act much, the lead singer of, you know, um, All-American Regions? I had looked him up. He has a few credits. Yeah? Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Because I mostly just thought of him. I'm like, they just hire this singer and he's pretty good. Like, so I think my bar was very low. Much as it was for Dak Shepard, you know? I was like, the without a paddle... (laughs) He's fine. Punked? Wow. He can act. So I, I think maybe a similar thing. I do think it's really interesting, though, that um, I said this last time, but I want to reiterate it, that Crosby hates Oliver so much because I think they're quite similar. Like, they both throw little tantrums. They both haven't grown up. They both wear pretentious hats. I mean, I just think... But I think those are the people you do hate. Yeah, I guess it makes the sense. The people who... I, I've always thought that if I met someone like me, yeah. I would... That's crazy. You would ha- you would have to love someone like you. You're the oh, yeah, very Kayla. best. That, that doesn't I make can't any buy. sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I I feel like it would be true of everyone. Okay, maybe. Well, the whole opposites but- attract thing, and like you know, I guess maybe he sees. How about this? Maybe he sees in him like flaws that he hates in himself. You know, yeah. and that's frustrating, right? When because like maybe that's what that is for him. Because Crosby is like. He's not the most secure. He puts up a lot of facades, right? Yeah, definitely. That's true. So like, maybe it's that. Yeah. 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 I did like how that storyline resolved. I will say that. Like, I thought it was really great to like convince Oliver, you're doing too much. You just need to scale it back. And the way that he discovered that felt very organic, like being in the car with Joel and just the song coming on. And I thought, that's why you need a break. Like, CeeLo Green needed it. You remember that episode? He was oh like my God. so frustrated. He just had to leave. And then he came back refreshed. I'm like, Adam, did CeeLo teach you nothing? Sometimes you're just pushing this into the ground and you need like to go home at the end of a work day. Work-life right. balance, boundaries again. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's jump to a storyline I was a little more invested in. <laughs> the continuing saga of Amber and Ryan and Sarah. Oh. Ugh. Uh, the the misunderstanding between oh my Sarah God, and painful. Ryan at the top was oh. so painful. Yes. Oh. But it made me think 
because I didn't remember this episode beat by beat. And I thought, would it be a good idea for her to talk to him one on one? Or is that overstepping and only making things worse? And, but then we got to this scene with Amber and Ryan, and I thought, yeah, I think this is probably the conversation that needs to happen first. I had a really uncomfortable conversation with your mom today. Uh, when when did you talk to her? Joel sent me over there to fix the toilet sheet. It doesn't matter. What, what's going on there? What did she say to you? She, she said that, I guess she said something about the wedding or me or... <sighs> And now you guys aren't talking to each other? I feel like you should have mentioned that. Honestly, it was not that big of a deal, okay? Well, That's... it's big enough a deal that she apologized to me while I stood there like an idiot, having no idea what she's talking about. Okay, I... I just don't get why you're... I, why don't you want to tell me? It's like you don't trust me or something. What? Ryan, what? It has nothing to do with trust. Then just tell me. Okay, what what do you want to know? I have no idea. You know how she is? What, what She says stuff and makes a big deal out of things. Like that aren't what? Big, she was projecting issues that she has and her own fears and insecurities about her situation. What situation? Uh, her marriage, uh, you know, onto mine. And it was uh, really unfair and stupid. Like your dad's and... stuff? Like stuff, like she's comparing me to your dad or something? No. She was making a, a big deal about... About the family thing, about the fact that your family's not going to be there. I don't and, get and what she's so obsessed with. That. I don't either. I don't know why you're upset with me. I'm on your okay, side okay, about okay. this. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. This is why I didn't all want to bring right, it up right, because right. it doesn't no, no, matter. No, no, no. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Sorry, I just feel like it's okay. I just if there's a case against me, I feel like I've, I'm entitled to know what it is. No, it's she just. This is what she does. She just. It's like she like holds on to things and 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 then mm -hmm. spews them back at me all at once. You know. Well, what things? What do you mean? I, I don't well, know. You just made, you said things. You said things that she's saying. She keeps bringing stuff up. What, you know, what's... bringing up things from our past that aren't relevant anymore. Like things what? that have, our problems last year. Just what like problems. The, what problems? The, well, what did you tell her? You know, with the car and all that stuff. What, Ryan? She saw the car. I was going to their house for for Christmas. Does I she mean, know? Does she know about the fight at the funeral? I don't know what you want me to say at, at the at the time, but that that doesn't matter. <laughs> it matters to me. Ooh. Oh. The question I have is one we've brought up before this season, but it's to what extent should someone be allowed to talk about their own life and the people in it with others? Mm. Or when does that cross the line into talking about someone behind their back? Because, like, I get why Amber confided in her mom about the issues she was facing with her boyfriend. And I get why Ryan is embarrassed that Amber's mom knows about that stuff. Again, boundaries. What's the boundary? I mean, to me, and maybe this is just because of the relationship I have with my mom, and I know everyone has different relationships, like, you can't be surprised that Amber talked to her mom about it. Like you, like Sarah and Amber have such a complicated but beautiful relationship. Like they literally say anything to each other. They've had some really hard moments, but I think Ryan just came from a totally different kind of family that maybe he can't even wrap his brain around wow. the fact that like Amber sh sharing these personal details, but it's her mom. So that's like saying like, you know, you can't talk to your mom about stuff. You can't tell, like, I don't know. For me, I just see it as, and this might be an, again, an unpopular opinion, but the second these two got together, I was just like, this is not, it's just not going to work. Like, it's just not going to work because 
it's literally Sarah seeing Amber making the same potentially the same mistakes that she did and the writing is just unfortunately on the wall and I feel so bad for Ryan but it's just it's so, you know how you just there's no other way to explain it other than it's just not <laughs> going to work and I just for me I understand why Ryan would be like why did your mom know about this but I don't think anyone who comes from a family that's similar to like Amber's would ask that question do you know what I'm saying like it's just like of yeah. course she talked to her mom about it like it's her mom oh that's a good point the fact that he's surprised yeah. reveals a lot about him. Yes. So that's how I saw that. Especially when, now that I'm thinking about this, do you remember that scene when Sarah came over to Amber's apartment and Ryan was in Amber's bed? Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah stayed in the hall, but then she said, bye, Ryan. <laughs> like, yeah, he probably could have guessed that they're close, that they are close. close. Yeah. And that if he gets drunk and damages amber's car sarah will hear about it look if you date taylor swift she will write songs about you like right it's it's a given like and it makes you feel for ryan though right you're like wow if someone if this is like surprising to someone like what like his life is just so different and you know he didn't invite his family to the to the wedding right like there was that whole thing, you know, that that's where this all kind of, it's all connected, right? Like it's just so different. And, you know, Amber is, I think Amber deep down knows, but she loves Ryan so much that like, she's just trying to like be blind to it. To me, that's how I always saw it. I was like, she knows it's not a good choice. Like, yeah. She's, she, she really wants it to work, but it's just not going to. That like that whole, their scenes were brilliant, but I was almost like, this the whole time I was like, this is just a, not going to happen. Well, it kind of depends, I think, because I think in this case, her healthier relationship, I mean, by far is with her mother. But I think there are instances where the healthier relationship is with the partner. And then you really have to protect your romantic relationship and not confide too much in someone else, even if that person is like a parent. And I think it's a bit of a passing the baton to where your primary family was your nuclear family and then it becomes the family you create. And the tricky part there is, though, it has to be a healthy relationship, which I just don't think she has with Ryan. And so in this case, I think some of his concerns would be perfectly valid if what they had was truly an adult relationship that was very healthy and safe and and good. And I I root for him, man. And Matt Loria sure can act. Like he is incredible. I root for him every time he's on the screen. And yet I keep thinking, thank goodness she's confided in her mother because there are just a billion red flags that her mom is collecting. And that would be (laughs) really unfair, as Amber says, if marrying Ryan was the right life plan for her and and like the life plan was a weird term but you know I'll go with it um but you know if, if, <laughs> if that was like a good idea if she was older and and you know then it would be really out of line I think for Sarah to to interfere but in this case I think Sarah is really trying to keep her daughter safe and I don't mean physically safe I don't think that Ryan is dangerous in that way but I do think he's dangerous in some ways to himself as well. You know, I th- I think he has not finished sorting through his stuff and I don't know how he can quite 
be a reliable partner for someone else. I just, I think that they are way too young and new for this heavy of a commitment. I think they should just be dating. I, th- I think this, this marriage pressure, oh my gosh, they're just babies. Like I just, I'm like, oh, that must be the right. hardest part for, for Sarah. Yeah. How old is Amber here? Like, like 21? 20 or 21. Yeah. yeah. I think it boils down to like that, it's a cliche, but like in this case, I think you're right, Melissa, because her relationship with her mother is what it is. It is like kind of a mother knows best situation. Amber is blinded by a lot of things. And I do agree that, no, I don't think he's like a dangerous person, but he's shown us some signs. Yeah. And so there's a reason why they showed us all of that, you know, yeah. like there's a reason why they planted those seeds, but then your heart breaks. And I think he's a fabulous actor too. He does this role beautifully but it's very it's tough to watch and like Mae Whitman of course like I just whatever she does it's gold gold yeah she might be um, the best actor on the show I feel like uh, that keeps coming up like she's so talented so talented my goodness yeah and I think Sarah opposing it only motivates Amber more to try and make it work because then yes it's not just great point well if I make this work then I'll be happy because I love Ryan it's also, then I'll show mom she was wrong and I knew what I was doing. Yeah. That's a theme of this particular she, episode. She didn't, yes. Yeah, she didn't I know, she what didn't I'm know doing. me better than I know myself. Yeah. And, and that's a huge part of their relationship. Yeah. Like she's always looking to be like, no, my, like, this is my life. Like, remember when she moved into that apartment that had like rats and like no running water? You know, like she's always just trying to prove that this is my life. And I told, that's a really great point. Yeah. But and she knew. I think she, deep down, Amber's like really smart. And yeah. I think we all, and she always knows what the, most of the time, what the right choice is or what the right answer is, but that there's that character trait in her <laughs> that she just has to be right and prove to her mom that, nope, I'm my own woman. This is my life. And you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah. If only Ryan would mispronounce Marauders. Yeah, she would, she'd realize. She would see the light. Marauders. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Matt Loria being a great actor, he does have this great one-on-one scene with Sarah at the end. My dad died when I was 11, and my uh, mom remarried half a year later to a guy from work who was okay to her, but, but thought corporal punishment was the best way to handle a, a wild kid who was pissed as hell about losing his dad. Right. So, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I don't need pity. I'm just... I'm just telling you the reason why I left home as quick as I did and never looked back, never will. Brian, you don't have to give me an explanation. Well, I want to give you the answers to the questions you keep asking. So, not everybody has a family like yours. And uh, I know that I messed up. I know that I did some things last time I got back that scared you, and they should have. It's it's your daughter, but I love her. (laughs) I love her so much. And I'm working so hard to get better and I want to be worthy of your family I want to be worthy of her and I know you think that we're rushing and we're going into this too fast but I gotta tell you you grew up real fast on your own you grew up fast in the military I know what I want and I want us to start our lives together Thanks. Okay. 
Oh, and uh, Sarah. It's fixed. Thanks. Toilet. Okay. He called her Sarah. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, that the facial acting. Can we just talk about the facial acting? Both of them. Yeah. But when Ryan leaves and he says it's fixed and he's like the toilet, obviously, you know, the it's fixed was like symbolic, yeah. but Sarah's face, it's like, she's like, okay, okay. But you could just tell that she's still not satisfied. Like she still knows it's not the right choice for Amber and Lauren Graham just always nails it with the facial acting. Like she doesn't need to say a word. And yeah. you're like, oh my God. So that was heartbreaking to me. That whole speech, that whole, that whole thing. But like when she's like shutting the door and you see her face, <sighs> kills me. I really related to Sarah in that moment because I also thought it seemed strange that there wasn't like a single person in his family that he could invite. I'm like, oh, no one. Yeah. And then I too... I don't know. I heard the speech and it's not like now she's like, oh, I get it. Everything's totally fine. I feel really good about this now. She still has reservations, but I think maybe she's like, oh, not everyone does have a family like me. Like, I do think that that was a bit of a learning speech for her as well. Like, I don't think it was just her still being like, oh God, this is still horrible. I mean, I think she got a little humbled a little bit like in that moment. But it's an interesting kind of humbling where it's not like she's like, oh, boy, was I wrong about that? She was wrong about something. She was wrong to make an assumption, I think, that it's not like normal or something for your family not to come. I mean, everything he said, I was like, that checks out. Of course, not everyone's close with their family. I, right. what, what was I thinking? Why did I think that was necessarily a red flag? Yeah. But he has other red yeah. flags. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I was still really conflicted about it, although I do... I thought it was incredibly courageous of him to make himself that vulnerable. And I admired him for doing that. But I don't know that Sarah was ever actually questioning his character Mm -mm. throughout any of this. And, you know, he didn't say these words in that speech, but I feel like you could interpret what he's saying is I would never hurt Amber, which I'm sure he would say, yes, I wouldn't ever hurt her. Intentionally. Sarah's concern is, yeah, despite believing his intention never to hurt her, is he capable of making good on that promise? And, like, of course, no one, even the most well-adjusted person, can truly promise something like that. But in a way, I think you could even be more concerned after what he said. Like, of course, your heart goes out to someone confessing that they were abused as a child. But they're also confessing to, I was raised in an environment where problems were solved with violence. Well, that's terrifying. Right. But, you know, I'm not saying the answer is to never give those people a chance to be better and to grow and change. But, And I also thought listening to it, it kind of depends on what your gut says, too. Like if you if your gut says Ryan is a good guy and he's doing the best he can, this is really inspiring. But if you thought Ryan's dangerous and this is a bad idea, some of the things I feel like you could interpret, like when he says... Um, I don't need your pity. I just, I want to answer all these questions you've been asking. Mm -hmm. I was like, are you manipulating this? Are you like, uh, you know, how can you hate me now? I'm just going to tell you all these things. I'm not saying he's doing that, but I just thought like, it's not definitely like, okay, now everything's fine. Yeah. That's the part that got me. It was almost like he was answering the wrong questions. Mm. Like she, he goes, no, no, I, I, I want to answer the questions you've been asking. 
but that's not really what Sarah was concerned with. I agree. It's not like, I, it's tough because he thinks that he accomplished what he needed with that. Like I've got everyone on the same page. It's fixed. It's it's fixed. Right. (laughs) But those aren't, those weren't Sarah's questions. Like it's almost like, and this is a really sad way to look at it. It's almost like no matter what he said, it's not going to change the red flags. And it's not going to change the fact that he comes from a background that makes Sarah uncomfortable because she sees she sees a little bit of Seth in there. She sees a little bit of like the same mistakes that like she made. So I don't know. It's it's sad. It's almost like something that there's no resolution for. Yeah. Something that really caught my ear on the second watch was Ryan says, I want to be worthy of your family. I want to be worthy of her, <sighs> her meaning Amber. Yeah. And I thought worthy is one thing. I think every person just as a human being has inherent value and is worthy of being loved. And Ryan has certainly shown many wonderful qualities above and beyond just his inherent humanity. So he is worthy of Amber and he is worthy of the Bravermans. I thought the question is, are you ready? And like, are you capable? And to use one of Amber's words, are you responsible? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, no one's perfect. Look at this episode. Yeah. Zeke and Camille and Joel and Julia. Right. Like, they don't have any of these issues of Ryan's, but they're dropping the ball left and right. So I guess it's just a question of degree. And like, is Ryan so unprepared for this that he's going to hurt Amber? And how is Sarah supposed to weigh that risk? And as a mother, you know, I'm I'm not a mother yet, but I can imagine that it must be an incredibly tough position to be in because yeah. right now she's stuck in the middle. It's like Ryan, as far as he's concerned, has check, checked off all the boxes. He's done one of the hardest things that he can imagine, right? He's approached her. Like it's uncomfortable for him to even know that Sarah is aware of some things that Amber has shared with her. So imagine what it took for him to literally go there yeah. and say this to her, right? So to him, it's like, whew, like, okay, I did my piece, but- to Sarah, it's like she just can't shake the fact that it's just not a good fit for him. He's not a good fit for Amber. And that's why it's so heartbreaking because yeah. he is, again, we keep coming back to this theme, like he's not a bad guy. Like he's not a bad person. It's just, it, he, he comes from a completely different family than Amber does. And it's actually interesting because Sarah probably thinks her family in a lot of ways isn't perfect and they're not. So then to compare that to where, you know, Ryan comes from, it's like she almost can't imagine like what, like what what could he have gone through? So to me, it's just so heartbreaking. It's almost like no matter what Ryan says, it's not going to accomplish what Sarah needs in her brain for it to be an okay move, you know? Well, and when she says, you know, Ryan, you, you don't owe me, she starts to say, it's strange. I think I understand what she was about to say and where she was coming from. And yet, I think from her perspective, he does have to answer for those things. Like, it's a weird sort of contradiction. Like, Ryan, you don't have to stand here and justify your existence to me. And yet, if he's going to join the fam, if he's going to join, (laughs) if he's going to join the family, she does have some questions she wants answered. Although maybe you're right that it's, it's, he's just not answering the right one. Yeah. Like sometimes it's not, I need you to tell me what your childhood was like. Right. It's are, how are you going to treat my daughter? And and that, that the thing is, 
there's no way he can know. I mean, she's really kind of asking him to predict the future. Right. And he can't do that. Of course, he doesn't want to hurt Amber. And I believe him. Me too. I I even wonder if it's not even a matter of like him, but like the circumstances, you know, because in a different world, Seth could have been the right person for Sarah, you know, if if they had met as adults and he had gone through rehab first and then they met, you know, they have great chemistry. There's a lot of love and respect there. It's not all horrible, but they were babies and they went through all that pain and growing together. And I wonder if Amber and Ryan had met in 10 years and were more mature people who understood themselves better. I don't know if Sarah would have these reservations about his childhood and things like that. I don't even know that she has reservations about his childhood. I think that maybe she would hear these things from the mouth of someone who war was just that much more removed from his life and maybe pills were farther in his past. And, you know, like it's one thing to have gone through things that shape you, but it's another thing to be pretty recently out of them. They were only broken up for a month when they got back together. And he, his big pitch was, I'm fixed. I've, I've worked on everything. Just right. like the yeah. toilet, you know, I fixed it. Yeah, it, it's it's beyond heartbreaking. For me, one of the most heartbreaking storylines of the whole thing, because especially because with Amber, her heart is golden. And I think that gets hidden a lot. Like if you really don't, like she has moments where they they let her heart shine, like when she helps Max. And but really, Amber, if you think about her storylines and everything, it's all about Amber being like troubled and getting into trouble and trying to find herself, but like doing all these bad things in the meanwhile. But Amber really has an amazing heart, and you really see her like wanting to be part of Ryan's like I don't want to say recovery, but like Ryan's, you know. Uh, future yeah yeah and like she really just she loves him he loves her and we don't doubt that but she does lack that um I don't know maybe she's just a 20 something year old who is naive aren't we all a little naive in our 20s you know as I'm talking about it I'm like maybe she's just naive and she just thinks it'll work I don't know it's it's a really tough thing yeah do you think she could have asked Ryan I mean, probably not in that scene. Perhaps he just lays his heart out there. But at some point, could she ask him or Amber, why do you have to be married now? Like, I am, I support you guys together. I see that you love each other. I like you, Ryan. I don't doubt Sarah when she says that. Yeah. But, you know, she says it to either Adam or Hank in the last episode. Like, why don't they just move in together or something? I wonder if, if she could possibly get across that I am not opposed to you as a couple. Mm-hmm. I just question why you need to entangle yourselves to such a degree that's going to be so hard to undo if this doesn't. I mean, although even as I'm saying it now, it just broadcasts a lack of faith. Maybe. Yeah. Once they're already engaged. Yeah, because we know the way Amber and Sarah work. Amber is so resistant to any kind of criticism that Sarah gives, right? Like she just is immediately (laughs) just because. Because she's a braver man. Because she's a right. They're all alphas. Except Drew. Except Drew. Where did he come from? Drew. Maybe if she had thought of that. But I don't think Sarah has that in her. (laughs) Like Sarah is not a compromiser. Like Sarah's kind of like, this is how it is. So like, I do think it could have been a totally different storyline. It's like, 
maybe if she had phrased it as like, take more time, you're so young. I just think anything that Sarah said, Amber was going to just jump on and be like, nope, 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 nope. Cause that's their relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard. It's hard. You know, it's that. Well, yeah. Well, and I was going <clears> to <throat> jump on what you said. She might've even listened to her prior to getting engaged, but she didn't know that Ryan was going to propose. There's really no way that Amber can go to Ryan now. Right. And be yeah. like, or, right. or even when he proposed, I don't think she could even just say, I love you and I want to be with you, but I'm not ready for this. I think some people could. And ironically, I think those are the people who should get married, like who can have right. a talk like that. But I think this was such a grand romantic gesture that I she think- She couldn't set the boundary. She, what? Yeah. Whoa, what's the thing? What are we doing here? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It's just, I don't know. They keep putting our friend Amber in, in really hard situations. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. But yeah, we got to talk about Carl a little bit. Oh, what are your thoughts on Carl? You know, he's not in it a ton, but any thoughts? And, you know, the fact that he's not in it a ton and that he plays no significant part of the story other than he is the reason for this clog that Ryan is fixing. Yeah. <laughs> if you had never seen the show before and you were thinking maybe he's just a wacky tenant in the building. No, they're setting him up for something more. You can tell he's shirtless and she's like flustered at it. Yeah. Let's listen to their scene. Uh, Are you sure this kid knows what he's doing? Who? The guy fixing the toilet or? Ryan, he does. Yes, he does. Absolutely. Very much so. Because, you know, I have a plumber buddy who would probably cut you a deal. That's okay. Thank you. Unless you just love having me in your shower, I can stay. I can't wait till you get your water turned back on. Okay. Um... So you could just call him, I guess. Who? The guy? No, 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 no. I can't fire are, Ryan. Are, why? Are you... Oh, you and Ryan? Are you hitting that? What? No? He's my daughter's fiancé. Oh, sorry. Okay. What do you have to say about that? Enough said. Let's hear it. No, no. I get it. That's totally understandable. Yeah, right? Family. We don't mess with family. Because it's family and family comes first. And I apologize. I didn't know. Enough said. Yeah. Done. And the good news here, the lesson that we've gotten, is you now know you can't snake a toilet bowl. And you know you can't flush your condoms. <laughs> I mean, disagree, agree with me, but I think they have great chemistry. Chemistry? Yeah, chemistry. And I wish they had even gone further. I kind of liked him and I liked their chemistry. My memory of him from watching the series originally was that I liked him. But if I had never seen the show before at this point... I think he's so gross. <laughs> and it did make me think of something that I liked about Mark. Oh. And Mark. Um, Mark. <gasps> and it's that, you know, he, Carl's clearly being set up as a potential love interest. Right. And Sarah finds him gross. Like at this point, that's clear. And I thought, well, this is at least the second relationship of Sarah's that started out. We're opposites and we're bickering, but our chemistry is revealed through that. And that's very common in romantic comedies and whatnot. And while I don't think that's an illegitimate way to establish a relationship, I don't think it's the only way or the most interesting way. And on top of all that, I don't think it's very realistic. I don't know if I know anyone in real life who is like, yeah, we hated each other when we first met. Or yeah. like, I thought he was disgusting, but now I love him. <laughs> yeah. I think it's much more common to meet someone 
and feel a quick positive connection. Like, wow, we're really hitting it off. And that is what she had with Mark. Yes. We clicked right away. And then that blossomed. It was just circumstances so, that kind of kept like, that And that's, I don't think that's boring right. in no. real life when you, no. it feels like you're on drugs. You know, it's, it's like And it doesn't happen. Wonderful. I, I, it does not happen. Like people think it happens so easily in life. It really doesn't. Like, no. I think you have to be very lucky to meet someone under decent circumstances, click, and you know, I'll have all the stars aligned and, I think they played the Carl card wrong. Like, I think that could have been a chance for them to like do something differently, you know, like with her, like, but yeah, you can't compare it to, I mean, Mark for me. I mean, I loved Mark. Mark was, oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, Carl, I I think that, I think they did have chemistry. They didn't play it right. That's how I see it. Like, I see what you're saying, Caleb. I do think that Lauren Graham has chemistry with nearly everyone with the possible (laughs) exception of Billy Baldwin because he was just, it was, oh, oh yeah, didn't that like didn't, that. That didn't work. Nope. Not exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> he said that in one episode, oh, and I was just like, like, "Batman." Is he for real? He sounds like a Batman. He was. Why don't say Batman villain? But that's how Batman. That's all that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, the same was true on Gilmore Girls. I think she just like rapid fire. You know, she just has chemistry with everyone. I actually think she and Jason Ritter have the best chemistry of anyone, though, on both shows. It, it was incredible. I like the actor playing Carl. I think he is handsome and charming, and I really do get why he would be appealing. But that character, I'm like over it. I, you know, he reminds me of Sam Malone. Like, we're supposed to find him so charming because he's such a Lothario and he sleeps with young women. And I'm like, um, no. Like, that was perhaps once charming to me, but it is 2022 now and it's no longer right. holding any sort of appeal. Oh, you flushed your condoms. Isn't that funny slash cute? Oh, what a no. cheap, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So gross. Yeah, yeah I agree yeah. there. Oh yeah. I'm really convinced that they did not know what to do with Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> like They just didn't know what to do. So they just tried all these different things. And like, remember when she was a playwright? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so bizarre. Yeah. So, but yeah. Or when she invented a shoe. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. She was an intern at, at right the shoe company. Yeah. Thank goodness we're yeah. past the shoe. Place, oh, the so. shoe thing. I know. So boring. It, it bored me. Yeah, I agree. Well, Hank is still around, even though he's not dating Sarah, and his involvement with the Bravermans in this episode also concerns boundaries. Mm -hmm. I just spoke with Mr. Carlson and this girl and her parents are really, really upset that you took this photo. Why? It's a great picture. I know it's a beautiful picture, but I mean, look at how she's feeling in this photo. How do you think she feels right now here? Sad. Sad, right. And sometimes when people feel sad, you know, they want to keep those emotions private. Into yeah, themselves. Why, why is she doing it in public? Right, right. She was doing it in the middle of the hallway. Sometimes when people express their emotions in public doesn't mean that you're allowed to take their photos. I mean, you have to ask why? permission, I think. Why? Hank says photography is all about trying to capture real moments. I stand by that. Right. And that's a real moment. Certain places and certain times there are for real moments, but this was not one of them. That's one of those times, like that right there in that photo. That's that's one of those times. That's a good more moment. real than that. Buddy, moment. can you uh, wait in the car for me? No, I still have Just 15 from... minutes left. Yeah. I had 17 minutes, but then you wasted two of them. You know what, Mad Max? We got to finish up that picture in the dark room. What, you want to get that? Okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. I'll be there in a couple minutes. I call him Mad Max. I, I think he likes it. I, I can't tell. Listen, Hank, I am. Um, I'm so thankful for you, for what you're doing for Max. But, you know, I, 
That photo, it's not a joke. Like, it's gotten him, he's in so much trouble for that. And he's been demoted, you know, to layout. Layout. What do you mean, no, layout? What's he going to do with I, layout? What are, what are they doing? I don't know. I guess Photoshop, right? That's uh, a good that's thing. Photo, for... That's a joke, Photoshop. You uh, don't use... Photoshop sucks, OK? Everybody does it, but it's not photography. Photography's in the dark room, making photos like this one. Look at this. This is good. I mean, it's, it's really good. I mean, subject matter aside, which is a knockout, it's got composition, it's got depth, great use of light. That kid is a photographer. I am really, really torn on this storyline. I think the school needs to... Now, I don't have experience in a school setting, and I know, Melissa, you do. I think the school needs to do better here, and I think that was the wrong choice. I think demoting him like that was the wrong choice for Max. I'm torn. I think that you kind of can't blame Hank because part of what he's saying isn't wrong, I don't think. But then I also understand, like, you're totally overstepping here. Like, she's the mo the mother. And you're overriding what she's saying and you're creating a difficult situation. Like you're making an already difficult situation more difficult for Christina to have to deal with. But it's a really tough storyline because when he says like those very literal responses to things, like that's part of, of autism, right? Like Max takes things very literally. You, you have to photograph real moments. So that was a real moment. She was really crying. Yeah. And Hank understands that because he thinks that way too. And I, I do love Max and Hank, the little relationship they have. Oh yeah. You know? And then at the end, when, when Hank is like, this is a beautiful picture. Look at this. Like he shouldn't be in layout. And like Christina smiles at him. Like she's kind of has come around a little bit to, under, yeah. you know, it's a tough, I, I, I'm torn too, but my instinct is to just feel really bad for Max in this moment because he's it's he's not doing this by choice, you know? He he didn't mean to take a picture of a crying girl, you know, and he doesn't know how to respond when people say he doesn't know how to process it, you know? Like this is a girl crying. Why are you taking a picture of a girl crying for the yearbook? Like that's not something we want to put in the yearbook. It's really tough, but again, Christine Monica Potter does anything she does makes me cry. I wrote that note down. <laughs> she's just so anything she does but um yeah I don't know I guess I'm torn too because I just word vomited a bunch of things but you know I don't know <laughs> quick side note you're reminding me of my so-called life um I don't know if you ever watched that but uh the, the best I could not recommend it more and I think it's the pilot where Claire Danes quits the yearbook because she says <clears throat> that they're printing lies and she says if we printed what really <laughs> happened here It'd be a really upsetting book. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think that's oh like totally true. You know, for Max to be like, I think this is going to be the cover. You know, I think yeah. I, I think he's wanting in on that really upsetting book. <laughs> you know, like he wants the to be like totally real. Right. Yeah. Anyway. As long as it's real, like he, it's yeah. like he was told to capture real moments, and that in his mind is what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why when he says, "Oh, well, I'm not going to have time to do layout and take the pictures." you know, he's not connecting. And no. in that moment, Christina could have said to him, Max, we have to do what the school is telling us to do. And it's not fair to the other kids, but Max isn't going to understand that. So the fact that she just said, you know what, I'm mad about this too. Like, I know no. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but it's just, it's tough. I think it's important like to let Max feel angry when he wants to feel angry and not always be like, you have to understand this. Like I need to, yeah. I need to make you understand this, you know? You know, I'm not an expert in this, but I feel like it's just, um, it's tough. And I don't know if the school made the right choice. 
I don't know. Yeah. The right call. I remember this conflict, and I think it's a really interesting... It's a good one. ...like philosophical sort of dilemma. Something I thought about all throughout the episode was paparazzi. Mm. It's Mm. something I often think about. How is it legal if someone's taking your photo without your permission and you ask them to stop? Mm -hmm. How is it legal for them not to stop? I don't know. It shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, I guess, now that I'm saying it, so like, should could Derek Chauvin have just said, stop filming me? And then he gets to win a case. Oh, God. So maybe there is like a public service. Not that paparazzi are usually fulfilling that. And not that Max was fulfilling it either. But anyway, now I'm word vomiting. No, no. I I, I also loved it. Like you said, Stephanie, that Christina went into that scene to tell Max, like, we need to do what the school says. And she sort of came out of it. Realizing, you know, if my son, who has a lot of struggles and who I worry will never find something in life that he will succeed at that makes him happy, if he has this true gift, fuck you all. He's going to take whatever pictures he wants. No. Like, Yeah. Uh, how, how would you not feel that way as a mom? I think the mommy protective instinct just shone through there. And I think I think the principal annoyed me a lot in those scenes with Christina, just the way he was talking about Max, it was almost like Max was like a burden. Like you should have seen him when he ran out into the court when they were still playing the game. Like you, like, it's almost like, look, it was a decision made by a lot of people that Max was going to be at this school mainstream. So like something that occurred to me was like, why doesn't Max have, maybe he does and they didn't talk about it. Why doesn't he have like an aide going around with him? Why couldn't the school be more creative? Like, why did they have to, this boy who clearly has so many struggles, like, why did they have to remove this one thing that he loves and like, he's so good at, like, why couldn't they be more creative? It's like, they were just, boom, nope, we decided like, that's it. He's doing layout. I also get the other side though. Like the other children have a right to have experiences that they would expect to have in school, like the way they expect to have them. Yeah. We've got some cameos again in this episode. The friends consoling that girl who was crying are Phoebe Kadams, oh. daughter of Jason Kadams, oh. and Lila Trilling, oh, daughter man. of Once again. Lawrence, Lawrence Trilling. Trilling. Wow. That's so cool. But now, Melissa, what did you think of how, I mean, since you do work in a school. Yeah, I'd love to hear how, What did you think of how the school handle this. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. Um, after I left Mr. Carlson, I spoke with a family friend. Um, he's a photographer, great photographer. Hank Rizzoli, you may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Really, really well known in Berkeley. He's like the Annie Leibovitz of Berkeley. He's amazing. Wonderful person, too. He really believes that Max has talent as a photographer, mm. and he should be taking pictures of the yearbook, for the yearbook. Okay, I thought I made it clear that this wasn't about talent, Mrs. Braverman. You made it clear, but, you know, I sat down with my husband. We talked to Max, so this won't happen again. The decision's been made. I know the decision's been made. Mr. Radford, could you maybe talk to Mr. Carlson about last year and how great Max was with President of Student Council, how much he thrived and how well he did. And, you know, we had some speed bumps here and there, but in the end, he did phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. He did do well. Hmm. And I'm happy that Max had that experience, but 
I gotta be honest with you. It was really tough on the rest of the student council. Why do you say that? I, I mean, I think the reason that it worked out at all, the only reason that it worked out at all, was because Max was in charge. But I still had to put out a lot of fires. Like what? Nobody told me any of I was this. glad to try to make it work, because I thought it was gonna be good for Max. But this time, I've gotta agree with Mr. Carlson. We can't have him doing photography for the yearbook. It's just not fair to the other kids. I'm gonna let you answer, but... He said it, the only reason it worked out is because Max was in charge, just like Julia and Z. Whoa! No, Whoa. totally, totally. Okay. in jeans. <laughs> All right, I'm actually really nervous to say this opinion because I think it could come off really terribly, because I recognize that Max has special needs, and so it probably sounds terrible to at all support him being just removed from something. But I really got where they were coming from. He is so difficult to work with. And I, I, you know, the way that Christina was like, well, I talked to Max, so this won't happen again. I don't believe that. I believe she talked to him. I don't believe it wouldn't happen again. I, yeah. I you know, and, and at first I thought, well, they should give him another chance. But then I thought, it kind of sounds like this was another chance. Like the first one was going on to the, the court when, you know, the game was still going. And okay, maybe a few more chances. I, I agree that they, the way that the teacher and the principal were, were, it was pretty condescending. I didn't like that. And I didn't like the way it was like, it's just not fair to the other kids. I don't like that because it makes it sound like those kids don't have any issues and they don't ever do anything wrong. I, I don't like that. But I do think that Christina and Adam have not been working with Max on his behavior the way they used to. We haven't seen stickers the way that we have. They never replaced Gabby. You know, I, I feel like, He's pretty entitled in ways that I don't know are directly tied to autism. And maybe I'm just totally mistaken. But I just thought, well, I don't think that yearbook is entirely designed around who is the most talented photographer. It's also about having a working environment. And he is really hard to work with. I mean, I also think, is is he just never going to get consequences? I mean... He was on student council, but the few glimpses we got into that, I don't know how a person could say that that was a really successful work environment. He kept hitting the gavel. It was kind of played for laughs, but he didn't listen to what anyone else wanted. He did do the dance, though. I mean, he That's let true. the dance happen. That is true. But I, no, I hear what you're saying. And I just, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just think that they're looking at it from the perspective of, oh, he's such a talented photographer. I think we nurture that. I don't know if that means he has to be yearbook photographer. I don't know if that means that that's a great match. I mean, it makes absolute sense, I think, to want to nurture this, but like, can't he be Hank's? Is there an art club or something? Yeah. Or? Like, it, yeah. is there something else where, you know, actually, I don't even know if it's a good fit as far as aesthetics go, because he wants to make a book full of real moments. And the yearbook artistic photography. Yeah, yeah. The yearbook is just a bunch of people smiling like those jocks who wanted their picture taken and they were like crowding together for Max. That's what the yearbook is. And Max isn't going to want to be part of that. And so I just wonder, yeah, is there a different club he could join or, you know, is there some sort of internship like, you know, that would keep keep working with with Hank. And sometimes I just think we can't just be like, OK, he never has consequences because he has, you know, Asperger's. I, I think, well, mm, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like if, if he didn't, yeah. if he didn't have 
autism, I would 100% support the decision the school made. And then I think, okay, but I know that he does and you can't remove that from the situation. So that's where I kind of feel like a jerk. But I just think you can't take a picture of a girl without her consent and continue to do it. And then they just still let you be the photographer. I don't yeah. I don't think that's okay. And like moving him to yearbook isn't actually like firing him. It's reassigning to him to layout. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's trying something else. And to be honest with you, I think it might be good for him to learn other skills as well. You never know, that might come in handy just because Hank is like, Photoshop sucks. Like, well, if he wants to be a photographer, it wouldn't hurt for him to learn other things. And so sometimes I just think of all the students I know, they don't all get to make varsity or they don't all get to, and it's, you know, they don't all get to like have everything all the time. He was just student body president. It's not like he's having this experience where he's left out of everything. I just wonder if the way that Christina wants to raise him is that he never miss out on anything. And I don't think that's a realistic approach to parenting or your teenage years because they're just going to be full of a lot of (laughs) disappointments and, and, (laughs) you know, and so in a lot of ways, I think maybe it seems like they're treating him unfairly, but in some ways I think they're just treating him like any other kid who has a consequence for his behavior. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Please feel free to come at me. Like, really, I I mean it like that's. Well, I I hear a lot of Stephanie saying, you know, they could have come up with a more creative yeah. consequence. I a lot of what you said sounded like that too. Like, yeah, can yeah. you do an internship? Can you join a different club? Yeah, yeah. So I, that sounds like we all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Christina was trying to teach him, like, this is not something you do. Like, yeah. I, I think she always comes from the right place, but she has this mentality that. Max is already missing out on mm, so much. That does make because, sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he has autism. And I think she always has her defense up yeah. in that. And I also think it has to do with the fact that they're now taking something away from him. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's like, I want to be a, you know, on the photography team for the yearbook. And they tell her it's probably not the best fit because of X, Y, and Z. I think because he's already on the team yeah. and now they're taking it away from him that would be much harder for sure you know so it's really tough I again I'm not like an educational expert but I, I guess when you put a child in mainstream the idea is that they're able to handle things that may, children in the main in mainstream can handle right yeah. um but maybe that's why I guess my opinion was maybe they could be maybe you're going to take a break from photography for a few weeks as a consequence to really think about yeah what taking that picture I actually did, think that's great you know? yeah because what I didn't want it seemed like they just wanted him to continue taking pictures as he was with like right. really no consequence, just Christina being like, you can't do that. And him being like, it's a real moment. Like to me, I think that's when I started to wonder, I don't know that he deserves it because it's not just about talent. You're arguing with her about consent. Like, and to me, I'm like, no, you really can't just keep doing whatever you want because you have the camera. And so perhaps, yeah, perhaps like a Something like that, like a break. Compromise. Yeah, compromise. Yeah. Maybe you don't always demote him to or reassign. I keep saying demote. Maybe that's the wrong yeah. word. But that to him, it feels like a demotion. Yeah. But, well, they use yeah. that and word. Christina called yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have to be forever. I, I just want, I just don't want Max to, like, the way that 
Christina's worried that he's missing out on things. One of those things I'm worried he's missing out on is consequences. Like I, I worry that he's not <laughs> learning yeah. to be a better yeah. like literary like a better like classmate and citizen. And yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. not okay to just not listen to people telling you, you know, just not respect their their wishes. And I think it would be right. different if Christina had that talk with him and he was like, Oh yeah, she looks sad. I get it. Yep, that was wrong. Yeah. And then they kicked him off. I'd be like, hell no. But for him to be arguing with her the whole time, and he's like, no, I'm very good at this. This is what I do. And then I'm like, well, you can't yeah. just, nothing would change. You would keep doing what you're doing. They need Gabby yeah. again. They need, I, I agree that they need someone to help with that because she tries. Like, if you remember in, in an earlier season, am I making this up that like, Max, they were supposed to go to a party. And then she was like, no, Max can't go to the party. It was like a punishment. And like, she really stood her ground and like- or, The road trip. Yeah, the road trip, right? Yeah, so, he called her a bitch. Yes. Yeah. And so like, she, I feel like she tries, but she be, she gets overcome with emotion. Like she's a very emotional person. And I think she always leans towards, but he's my son and I feel really bad for him because of what he goes through on a daily basis. So I think she's constantly in the middle there. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying, especially being in a school setting. Like, oh. you know, I think that's all I could think of was just yeah, like, it's ugh. tough, right? Yeah. And I think what you said about Christina struggling to follow through with those consequences is maybe what made me love the final scene so much. I, I it's did one love of my that. favorite Christina parenting moments, I yes. think. And Melissa, also what you said that like Max is missing out on consequences. I thought back to like when he didn't get invited to that other kid's birthday party oh. and Christina went and advocated for him yes. and against the other parents' yeah. wishes, got him an invite. And when he wanted the vending machines back and they said, no, we're not doing it. We don't want junk food in the schools. And Christina goes and advocates for him and gets it back. I was kind of oddly happy to see Max not get his way and see how Christina handled it. I talked to your book advisor and your principal. And they have decided to move you to layout on the yearbook. I don't know if I can do both the layout and take the pictures at the same time. I don't know, I don't think I'll have time to do that because I already have Hank and I'm doing Math Warriors three times a week. Right. Well, you won't be taking pictures anymore. What do you mean? They just want you to do layout and learn Photoshop. No, no, but I'm the best photographer. You are. You are yeah. the best photographer, but there are other kids at the school and they have No, that's to totally hear... unjust. I mean, why wouldn't the best photographer be allowed to take pictures? You'll still be able to take pictures, okay? You'll still be able to work with Hank. Hank doesn't him. have a yearbook. I know he doesn't, but this is what the school has decided. They think that no, it's No, but best. it's stupid and it's not fair. Mom, answer me. Do you think that it's fair? No, I don't think right. that it's you fair. Don't think however, that, no, you don't think it's fair. Then Max, why should we listen? However, listen to me. This is what they've decided. Sometimes it's in not life, fair. things aren't fair, okay? And as you get older, you have to deal with that, okay? I think that this this sucks for you. I think it's awful, but we can't change everything. We have to it's, abide it's by what they're saying. No, it's stupid. Why should it be like this? I'm really mad about this. You know what? I'm really mad about this too. I'm so mad about this. So we're just gonna sit here and we're gonna be mad together. We're just gonna sit here and be mad together. I just love it. I think it's such an important life lesson to learn as a human is that life isn't fair and that sounds like a cliche. And it's it's also not to say like, 
I'm not advocating complacency in the face of genuine injustice. Like, well, we should just accept things the way they are, no matter how much we hate them. But this is not that. And the lesson that's important, I think, is if you expect things to go your way all the time, you're going to live your life perpetually disappointed. And learning that from a loving parent who shares your feelings and supports you through them is a blessing. I was really proud of Max, too, in that scene for for using his words and saying, I'm really mad about this. Yes. That's a big step. It felt like a minor miracle. And I thought you could see that on Monica Potter's face. Mm -hmm. But I thought, good, and teach him that just because you're mad does not mean you should then get what you want. Mm -hmm. Because lots of people are mad about lots of things. And learning how to deal with that feeling, it's a tough feeling. Mm -hmm. I thought she was great. Oh, yeah. Again, with the, I mean, she's another one that she doesn't even need her words. It's just all in the face. And if you think about season one, Max, he would have stormed, he would have screamed, he would have melted down. Yeah. And this was a big moment for him. And, you know, for him to just say, I'm really mad about this. Like, it's almost like there was a maturity there. Like he came to terms with the fact that we're not going to get our way here. But I also love that Christina didn't say, well, let's not think of it that way. Let's not be mad about it. Let's, let's, yeah. yeah, She was just like, let literally let's be mad because if you don't let yourself be mad, be happy, be angry, be frustrated, be whatever, you're never going to fully process those feelings. Yes. And Christina, she, she did tear up, right? Am I making that up? She did tear up, but she didn't like lose it on him. They've and both we've... really grown in that respect. Yeah, yeah. right. I've been really digging her in season five because like, like you said, I feel like she's crying a lot less and not that I'm against Christina crying like on its own terms, but I feel like it's indicative of she has a new outlook on things and is coping with things differently. Oh yeah, I agree. I feel like in past seasons, she would have cried in this scene and then like gone on a crusade to get him back on the yearbook, redoubled her efforts. Yes. But, uh, but, and I would feel like Christina grow up. Life isn't fair. So I felt like she learned this lesson too. And and that she learned it, you know, like last season, she didn't want cancer. She didn't deserve cancer, right. yeah. but she had it and she dealt with it yeah. and it sucked and she moved on. Yeah. And it feels true to me that she might realize I can't shield him from this forever. Nor should yeah. she. Like, the best I can yeah. do is be in it with him. Right. And she did that. And she did that beautifully. And what's ultimately going to do him better learning that or being photographer for the yearbook, you know, and yeah, it just it's kind of like when people will say to us, like, like administrators and stuff, sometimes they're wanting us to take late work, like all semester long. And honestly, I've especially since the pandemic, I've gotten a lot more lenient and I, I take it for a really long time. And I sometimes don't even take points off. But sometimes I get frustrated at the question. It's like, well, do you want them to learn the material or do they do you want everything just turned in on time? And sometimes right. I'm like, well, them turning everything in on time will help them more in life than learning this particular lesson, the standards of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like to, to be honest with you, I, I think actually we're not seeing the forest for the trees sometimes. Sometimes the most important thing for them to learn is responsibility. And in this case, maybe what Max needed to learn more than how to be the best possible photographer is how to uh, be accountable for his actions and actually learn a lesson rather than sort of steamroll his mom who's trying to explain it to him and just explain why she's wrong. Because 
in that respect, the school isn't wrong. They're maybe wrong not to give him another chance, but they're right that he's not learning the lesson. And Christina is just delusional if she thinks, well, I talked to him, so it's fine. It's not. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Anyway. I, I am. I'm, I think Caleb, you said this. I'm proud of Max too, yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I feel like, you know, when you are, I guess, in a classroom with other students who who don't have autism, you're just by extension kind of held to the same standards, right? And uh, life is like that too, you know? Like, unfortunately, I'm going to say unfortunately, it's yeah. just like when you go out there, the world is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's can be rough. And if we all have different challenges that we have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, yeah. I agree that it would behoove Max to kind of take this as a lesson, which I think he did, as we said, but yeah, I, I just think I, I am proud of them too. And I do think the whole life isn't fair thing. It's a tough thing to wrap your brain around yeah. because I think until you reach a certain age, you kind of feel invincible yeah. or you're like, that's not going to happen to me. Or, uh, you know, if you always get your way, you think you're always going to get your way, right? Yeah. No matter what your challenges are in life. So I, I totally hear that. And yeah, in that moment, that's, that's the first thing I noticed was she's not crying and not again, not that crying is a bad thing. Like, you know, but I was like, that's why we tune in. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was, um, what a beautiful moment that, yeah, I, such a well-done scene too. It was a great conflict. I I agree. Caleb, I think you said that right away at the beginning Yeah, because it is, I think really complex. It's not easy to choose a, a, a side there. You know, it's, it's a tough one. And I thought it was a great approach to like, growth for both of them. I, I hadn't even really thought about how mature Max was when he didn't get his way and Christina yeah. not crying. Very good point. I love that Stephanie. And so yeah. I, yeah. Also nice use of behoove. Yeah. That's <laughs> really Thank you. just Thank wonderful. You. Yes. Yeah. But no, the other thing I wanted to say was I like how they made this, you know, how sometimes they involve Adam in all mm-hmm. of the issues. Like it has to be Christina. Like, and you know, of course she always talks to Adam, but this was really just about. Yeah. Max and Christina and like you know she went to the school by herself like you know some so like I thought that was nice too because like sometimes not that it's a bad thing like to have Adam with her but it's like she is at a point where she was able to handle it herself yeah that's true because thinking about what would past seasons Christina do she would whine to Adam about it and get him on her side yeah even if he didn't totally agree right that's just, and we've seen that this season so far two times when she is at odds with him mm-hmm. or if he's pissing her off, mm-hmm. she'll say, you know, you're really pissing me off right now. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm I, here I think for it's, it. I think it's healthy growth for her. Yeah. Yes. She's, you know, she is maybe finding her voice a little more yeah. or learning new ways to use it. Yeah. yeah. And like, she's stronger than she thinks. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the cancer battle certainly pr- proved that, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And what, and wouldn't it teach you that if you yeah. didn't know your own strength? Yeah. And what you said to come through that. Yeah. And what you said, Caleb, was so right. Like, no one can be prepared for that kind of thing, right? Life just threw that at her completely. Yeah. Like, you know, they were talking about buying puppies, remember, in that, in that episode. Right. And then, you know, so it's just again, left field. Left huh? field right. So, like, <laughs> the same thing with, and, you know, with, with Max, like, you just, you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. And I think if you always think you're going to get your way, you're setting yourself up for failure, you know? So, yeah. Well, I was thinking about the title of this episode as per usual (laughs) and noticed several characters 
bringing another character on board with their feelings. Like, let's mm. be mad together or mm. let's share this feeling that I'm feeling together. Um, Camille brought Julia into her struggle with Zeke. Mm-hmm. Max yep. brought Christina on board his struggle against the school. Amber brought Ryan into her struggle with Sarah. Adam brought Crosby into his struggle with the band. Yeah. And in a way, Julia brought Zeke into her struggle with Joel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. did. But then talking tonight, I think the boundary theme was actually much more explicit. Like that was in every storyline. Yeah, it was. It was a good one. It really was. I was delighted. And it's been in a lot before, but it did feel very pronounced in this episode. Yeah. It did. I mean, the Bravermans generally, as we know, have issues with boundaries. They don't have them they yeah right they don't have them that's it's kind of what makes the show what it is like imagine if these characters had boundaries it would be kind of a boring show like you know what i mean like that is what makes it but one thing you can say is like just the act i mean for me this show it's like the acting is just it's just so there's that one moment where I'm like oh that's just so fake and that's put on and it's just so authentic and that's really why I've always loved it yeah it's wonderful well it's so fun to finally like meet the other person that Caleb talks about parenthood with the most so it's wonderful yeah yeah thank you guys Oh, and maybe this is where I'll mention, because perhaps um, listeners might have noticed, I'm a little sick. And so at least we meet via Zoom, so I don't feel bad like I'm <laughs> spreading my germs. Um, but anyway, thank you, because, you know, sometimes I coughed and you had to, like, wait for me to choke out my my words. So thank you. Uh, listeners, we edited out all the coughs. Thank you, so Kayla. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> no, you were a trooper. No, I'm, I'm so glad I finally got to do this. Like, yeah. I, oh, so me fun. too. You yeah. guys are, it's, this is such a fun idea and I, I've listened to so many of them and I Yay. just can't, it's so awesome. So kudos thank to you. you guys for thinking about, of, of this and, uh, making it so fun to listen to. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything you would want to promote? If you're like, I want people to follow me on social media or. Oh, you know what? I I think I'm I'm private on social media, so I'll have to, I'll have to accept you, but, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm at Steph Corvino. If you want to come on board and I will, uh, any parenthood pal is a friend of mine. So Aww, I'll be thank sure to you. you. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, we are not private on social media. I made that sound very scandalous. I just mean <laughs> follow us. Um, we are parenthood pals everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find all of our info at parenthoodpals.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.